0: that's a DB1 b That's me in the racing days. And I used to that's a breach check, but that, that track doesn't even doesn't even exist anymore. Alright, we get the chat.
1: I'm gonna start recording if that's cool.
0: Sure. Cause
1: I'll forget if I don't do it now.
0: That used to be my suit. It only was like
1: Three cows they had to kill,
0: too. Three cows? Uh, right. For, to to make, make that that, suit for that racing suit? But, right, but now it's five. So five
1: Marcos is showing me his uh, old racing days. He was a Ducati
0: racer? Yep.
1: Raced Ducatis? Is, was that in Russia?
0: No, it was in uh, Long Island.
1: Long Island when you were uh, racing the Ducatis, okay. That looks right. like no, something I still, from... I
0: still do the track days, and I only ride Ducatis. Oh, nice.
1: Now where where's this, this picture?
0: This is the entrance to Ishmash.
1: Ah, the, the factory. Yep. Ishmash factory, nice.
0: Right. And this right here, right at um on the back entrance, the main entrance where the employees walk in. Uh huh. And that's this guy it's Mark Krebs.
1: Yeah, there's Mark Krebs.
0: I, this know, I know that fella. Alexey Kalashnikov, the son of uh
1: that's alexei you know who he looks yeah. like he looks like um fuller
0: <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah now that you say does he does he, he not a few tattoos and stuff oh yeah he looks like and, uh, fuller. he's also as you know he is the guy who developed that bison uh, submachine gun the he
2: bison?
1: was that
0: Augur magazine
2: uh-huh
0: the ogre magazine you know 64 round magazine that's Augur. yeah you know
1: which one I'm talking about? That was Kalastikov's son that, de- mm-hmm. that developed that. There's Mikhail himself holding up the infamous AK. Now are these pictures you took? Yeah. These are these are personal pictures that you took. There's the dinner. That's, that's what we had for dinner. That's in the book. Yeah. We're gonna talk about this too. These are these are awesome. I love that. Who's the guy that across from? Is that Mark Krebs?
0: He, no, uh that's the the local like uh List, you know, like a police officer, major, mm-hmm. turn out to be a, a real scumbag.
1: Oh, shit. Nice. Marco and Mikhail. Sounds like a TV show. <laughs>
0: Don't put me in the same group. A great guy.
1: Dude, you're <laughs> sitting there having dinner <laughs> with him. How am I not going to do that?
0: <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'm just like a little speck. and he's uh, Not even... You need like a freaking... Hubble microscope to see <laughs> to see my presence I guarantee disguise. you
1: that uh, he was like, hey guys, when you put up my statue make sure Marco is next to me
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and not the Sturmgewehr
1: Joe. not the STG 44 yeah, that's where Marcos was supposed to be right there, Marco was <laughs> supposed to have been where the Sturmgewehr was <laughs>
0: but, but not
1: yet, right? we want to talk about that too so, AK Heads, welcome back to another episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner. This is season five, and our guest today, as, as you have heard, we've got Marco Vorbiv joining us. He is a um, longtime guest here. Uh, of the five years that we've been doing it, you've been on at least once every year.
0: Sometimes twice a year,
1: maybe three times. Sometimes, yeah. And
0: I, I could have been like thirty or forty times, but you just don't invite me there.
1: <laughs> you, you have an open invitation. I would love for you to be co-host with me. It could be maybe the one
0: of days, the yeah. Marty and Marco. I'm, bo- I'm boring, that's the problem.
1: You are not boring. That that is the complete opposite <laughs> of that. I just, I don't want to. Um, I don't want you to get tired of coming on. Is what it is. It's like, oh, shit, I got to do this guy's show again? <laughs> well, you you are definitely a listener favorite. Uh, I get a lot of feedback when you're on. And when I do our post, our pre-show post, letting people know you're going to be on, we get a lot of questions. And uh, that oh, holds true this episode also. So we've got questions uh, that we want to field.
0: If anybody's listening or will be listening, I just want to say I do appreciate it. So very much so and um i'm also very open to any questions and uh there's no such thing as a stupid question stupid is the uh non-educated answers i guess to those questions but uh, there's no stupid questions
1: no stupid so questions, just stupid people <laughs> <laughs> but not no, our listeners
0: marco not our listeners no, no. For sure. but i'm just saying everyone's welcome and um I, uh, you know, cherish every uh, sign of any kind of uh, (laughs) attention I get from you guys. Any attention at all.
1: (laughs) Well, and I can't believe, uh, you know, the five years that we've been doing this, we haven't talked about uh, the book that you did for Gun Digest, the AK-47 Survival and Evolution of the World's Most Prolific Gun, uh, which, you know, we've, we've actually talked about the book, but we haven't, talked about the book itself. You know, we've let people know it's out there, and I know a lot of our listeners have purchased your book and read it, and um, I think this has probably been one of the, the most requested shows is have you on and actually do a deep dive into your book.
0: Oh, great. Thank you. Um, if I may, in the beginning, I'll just say that uh, I've done the, um, the Shooter's Guide uh, before this book. And uh, so where I talked about very little on uh, history and development yeah. stuff, but mainly uh, practical, you know, aspects of owning the uh, AK and what to expect. And uh, with some references to uh, actual manuals, the army manuals and things like that. And uh, apparently the publisher loved it so much that they wanted to do a uh, continuation, like uh, uh, not necessarily the second edition, but something different yeah and that's how this book actually came to be and um it took longer for me to research it uh so i didn't want to rewrite the wikipedia page which seems like uh, and i don't put down the fellow writers but uh, everybody knows the story of it already kind of in a way, um, you know, the tank mechanic hospital. Yeah, they
1: know the basics, you know, hero story right. that, that's right. been told about Mikhail.
0: But it, what happened behind, and that's the reason why I suggested the subtitle, as far as like a evolution and survival of a, of AK, because, I mean, what goes behind the scenes that what we on the, on the tail end so to speak and the the users and don't understand or don't even know about what was happening with that design and with that um with the with the rifle and what had to be done to uh, carry that design and that particular rifle through time
2: yeah
0: and uh so so i approached it from that point of view and um and so they liked it so much they kind of made it a large format and also uh did something they don't ever do is put all the pictures in color, <laughs> <laughs> <They did. laughs> which maybe they intended for it to be a coffee table book like Kramer or
1: whatever. It is a very startle. nice. It is a very nice uh, book, and you know the color just just adds to it. So I I'm glad that they weren't cheap and chintzy and they actually did the color pictures because because that just that adds the a whole nother dimension to it. But you know, it's your story that and your research is what's impressive on this book. And I know there's probably a whole lot more, you know, as I'm reading in this, you know, I'm like, there's got to be more to that story, you know, kind of deal. And, um,
0: yeah, unfortunately, you kind of got to keep it within this, uh, 6,000 word format for, uh, Gun Digest. But, uh, in reality, um, there's a lot more I mean there's yeah. a lot more things you can dive into those meetings and stuff and there's some minutes in the meetings get that kind of uh, available to everyone or to not everyone and uh, the how the decisions were actually made to do this and I, I, I kind of I tried to give some samples of that in the, yeah. in the story but uh, yeah uh, another thing is like a negative for a caller in that large format is like people might not think it as a as a actually serious book with well, They some tend to get caught up in the research. pictures and
1: just thumbing through instead of actually reading it. Kinda
0: Right. And say and one guy literally gave me one star review on Amazon saying, Well the pictures could have been better or something. Oh but yeah, were, I saw that. <laughs> they were <laughs> like
1: the grainy pictures and duh, duh, duh. I was like, dude, yeah, you yeah. obviously didn't look at all the pictures because the ones that were grainy were those were authentic From years ago authentic yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and another thing like i
0: actually responded to him saying did you actually uh, like what you read did you learn something new and of course he didn't respond so no. he thumbed through it thinking it was like a old picture album or something no, he
1: probably didn't even do that it's probably just some troll you know oh
0: you yeah. know Everybody You're is entitled there. to their opinion, and uh, I mean it is what it is. And well, and that being said, Marco,
1: I wanna I wanna appeal to our audience, um, our listeners. For those of you who have who have purchased this book, or or maybe you didn't, maybe you just acquired it somehow. If you've if you've read Marco's book, go on Amazon, please, and leave him a review. <laughs> no, no,
0: yes, because that boost. Like it. let you feel it.
1: That boost. That boost your things on Amazon and. Um, you know, I've only saw, I only saw the one bad review. The rest of them have been, you know, five star and, you know, really good reviews, but the more reviews, the better. So lead heads get out there on Amazon and I'm going to, I haven't yet, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get on there. I'm going to leave a review.
3: Founded in 2012 iwi US is the USA-based subsidiary of Israel Weapon Industries Limited of Ramat Hasharon, Israel. The iwi US line of products includes the Tavor X95, the Uzi Pro pistol and SMG, the Galil Ace line of firearms, and the belt-fed Negev line of light machine guns. IWI's mission is to bring the highest quality firearms with real-world proven reliability to the U.S. commercial and law enforcement market. IWIUS are proud sponsors of the Talking Lead AK Corner and the Lead Head Brigade. Check us out at www.iwi.us and on social media under IWIUS.
1: And I really enjoyed the book, obviously. Uh, I thought well, it was great. You. And it left me wanting more, like I said. Because I'm, I'm one of those that reads between the lines when I'm reading books. Oh, good.
2: Yeah. You know, yeah.
1: I was like, oh, yeah, there's got to be more, you know, more to this. So I would like for you, and this is just, you know, personal request from a fan. I would like to see an autobiography, you know, not a book just about the AK, but about your life, Marco, because you have led one interesting life, um, you know, with your that's sports. What
0: everybody, that's what everybody tells me. But um, in my retort to so it would be like uh, – I don't. I really don't think so. <laughs> if anything, my life is, uh, should be uh, just a regular and nothing special. Well, uh, I mean, ordinary. you were
1: you were born and raised in Russia, which you know that's nothing that any of us Americans can comprehend, especially the the era that you grew up in. You know, that was uh, the the sixties. No, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you know i just started to weren't you, you born know, in like 60 65 and 65 so, yeah, so 70s 70s i just started to comprehend yeah i know i learned how to skate uh ice skate when i was five years old That puts me in 1970s <laughs> uh in 1970 but well, i was born no, in 71 it was, it's the 70s and 80s that's that's my thing yeah and i if you and i was looking at my um kids, two of my sons that went through a school here, you can draw parallels to where what the, uh, the U.S. life was like in the 70s and 80s to the Soviet Union. And, and one would argue that de- depending on what your um, uh, view of it is, where it was better in the 70s. You know, you got the crisis here, you know, the oil crisis, you had um, civil rights unrest, you had um, um, uh, some of the the high unemployment rate. Yeah. And, you know, to say that it was a a beautiful utopia place in Soviet Union, no, but from, you know, everybody's kind of uh, judging the stuff around them uh, based on his or her. Uh, exception of the re- reality that sur- surrounds them, the, the interaction with other people and and things. And I have to say, that, I mean, obviously, we all want to say that when you were young, and maybe when you were, uh, you know, in your childhood, and then you enter into young adulthood, it's probably the the happiest times of your life. You know, your parents. Well, I'm generalizing, but I'm yeah. saying in 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 the in the mass. Obviously, people get you know parents get divorced and so on and so on and Life but it, in its mass, you know, it's your happiest times, right? So that's when you play with your friends, when you go to movies, not worrying you're you know anywhere in the world. Yeah, but you that's know, the thing got, when
1: you're that age, you don't know you don't know any different,
0: right? You, and no matter you know, what a, you grew up a,
1: in your your socio background, you can look at most kids of that age, background, they tell the stories and the majority of them are going to be happy times.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and that's when you form your relationships with your friends and stuff and and carry it to life or maybe someone will peel off along the way. But, you know, one thing and it's another thing is like a lot of people ask me about, uh, uh, you know, growing up in Soviet Union and they immediately get this like look as if they like oh poor thing uh you know bless your soul poor thing I, I have to say it was probably a better childhood than i'm looking at some of the kids nowadays <laughs> yeah i mean we did exactly the same things you know me first of all i played sports and that would cost me nothing absolutely nothing <laughs> Whether i played hockey of course every russian plays hockey it, or I did the sambo and judo and stuff. It didn't cost me anything, and I was able to progress to a national level. <laughs> so that's the guy that's – it's not like a, here. If your father is an NFL player, then most likely you will eventually. You'll go to Division One college, and you event eventually be recruited. Yeah, if that's what they want to
2: do, yeah.
0: draft, Right. Uh, but if you're a regular dude with talent and stuff, it would be a hard for you to bust through that stuff without – you know, and uh, but in the in, uh, case with the Soviet Union and my town, which was you can't really call it a town. It's a population of 750,000 kind of industrial um, center mm-hmm. before I relocated to St. Petersburg, of course. And uh, so in that town, we had everything like from checkers. You can play checkers and compare that level. Or ballroom dancing, if you <laughs> something <laughs> that you wanted. It to sounds do. like
1: everything was a competition
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily. I'm just saying the opportunities that were available for young people to do other than drugs or you know alcohol mischief. Or something. Yeah, right. So you and all the way to uh, like a, um, the Premier League soccer and hockey and anything in between, a boxing, uh, you know, sambo, judo, whatever. Trampoline, gymnastics, any kind of other gymnast, swimming, right, skiing, biathlon. And now, did they shooting. make this
1: available to to children, all children, and and it was free? Is that what you said?
0: Correct. You just come in with the parents, and in my case, without parents, because my parents would not allow me to do combative sports. So I did. I won a regional championship. Uh, within three months of joining the, the club or team and my parents didn't even know and the only time when I went into Zones and they actually showed our local team from the city at the Zones and they saw me on TV. <laughs> they, they thought I went to visit my friend's grandparents in oh. a like far, <laughs> in close village here, but they saw me on TV and that's when I... Uh, the jig was, a came up. into, came into, uh, kind of like, how long you've been doing this? It's like for a year, mom.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> Were they mad? Did they get I, mad at you?
0: Not really. I did. You know, I mean, the,
1: uh, you said the my team mom was more
0: upset than my father. My father always was like, he makes them, have to let him do it.
1: So this is your, uh, jujitsu. What was it? Sambo. Sambo. Okay. <laughs> Which is, for our listeners who don't know what the Sambo is, that is a version of... Talk about it.
0: All right. So Sambo is another wrestling discipline. Same as Judo. Judo is not a martial art. Judo <laughs> is a wrestling discipline. It was created as a sport. And Sambo, on the other hand, was created as a martial art for the Red Army in 1920s as a hand-to-hand combat discipline. However, um... They immediately found out that there's, it's got a huge, um, competitive potential to become a sport rather than a, uh, hand to hand combat. So hands sambo actually has two components to it. It has a combat sambo that includes the chokes, punches, and the short kicks. And then there's a sports, sports component sambo. That's what they compete in. That's a new, uh, newly accepted, uh, Olympic sport that will be demonstrated in Paris in, in a couple of years. Here, ah, nice.
1: So they're going to add it to the Olympics.
0: Yeah, and uh, uh, for longest time, Sam Sambo was sanctioned by FILA, which is the the wrestling federation, and now they got their own uh, federation, uh, FIAS. Anyway, so Sambo, uh, you know, just kind of in the layman's terms, seventy percent of it is judo. There's no doubt about it. So, same throws, kind of a lot of the same throws, but also it has a componentry f- coming from like a national wrestling uh, types, like uh, from Georgian Chadooba from uh, Kulesh and Uzbek, uh, Russian national wrestling, and so on and so on. So, the two uh, two gentlemen who compiled this discipline is Achlupkov and Hurlampiev. They traveled around. akhlopkov been like a he was like a seventh, like six or seven degree black belt, and actually was a student at Katakan in Tokyo. In, uh, and I'm talking about 1910s and 1920s, right? Yeah. And Karampeev was more of like a collector of uh, a national types of wrestlings. So that he traveled Central Asia, Caucasus, Mongolia everywhere to Traveling collect the, the most effective right and uh, so at the end they was came he up doing with this,
1: this for the for the for the state uh yes it was
0: it have, was deliberate effort to come up with the hand to hand combat for the red <laughs> army back
1: then gotcha
0: and uh so and they came up with this sport and actually uh, one of my coaches that i was lucky enough victor Abdeev was a was a student of Kharlampiev himself so, but,
1: so is this the guy I who mean, who created the the Samba? The sport,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, nice. But but uh, the Avdev himself <laughs> was taught me a few ways. And sometime I'll I'll tell you all about it. I just wanna. <laughs> I don't want to take any more time. But uh, anyway, interesting character.
1: That would be good for your autobiography. That would be a good story for your autobiography that you're gonna write <laughs> one day. Yes, sir.
0: <laughs> Maybe I I, I can't make false promises. So well, like
1: I'm going to keep uh, I'm going to keep encouraging it. I know our listeners will too. Uh, but that's my point: is you have you you had a very uh, interesting, unique from the majority of people worldwide. I mean, you want to compare us to to Russia? Um, that people would want to hear about, and uh, you know, it's led you to to where you are today. Obviously. And made you the person that you are today, but um, and we did we did an episode, I think it was in our first season, season one. We had you on the very first episode, and uh, we we talked a little bit about your background. You didn't didn't talk as much about your growing up, but more I think we talked focused on your your military service uh, at the time. Um, but for those who don't know, uh, Marco is also a Soviet spetsnaz. Back in the day, he's not currently. <laughs> he is. He is a U.S. It would, citizen. It would
0: be a trick of the tricks, man, to be a Soviet spetsnaz right now. Yeah, since the country doesn't exist, is what I'm well, saying. Well, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> There's no such thing as that anymore. It Doesn't exist. I get that. Right. Um, and that's. I think that's one of our questions that we have. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, here in a minute but um go back check that episode out i don't know the exact number but it was during season one uh, you can go to our, our website and just put his put Vorobev uh, last name in and all the episodes we've had mark on will come up uh and that's one of them and uh, cj joined us on that episode uh, we had cj johnson on during that episode uh, good episode so go back check that out and um I want to I want to make sure we get you know we talk about your your book so, but that's sure, you know sure. that's kind of the things that led you to to the knowledge is you know your your childhood, your growing up, things that you experienced and uh, you know your parents telling you, you can't do something, you went and did it anyway. <laughs> the de- defiant little britches. I, I did. Oh, Marco! I there. also
0: you know I mean as far as hockey is concerned, so we we played outside right and. Uh, you know, it was nice, nicely done hockey ring, right? And actually, my father, who was an architect and a civil engineer, he's actually uh, designed it. And it was the best one in the city. We ha- we would have actual like nationally ranked teams come and play there, but it was outside, so yeah, we had to scrape the snow, we had to sweep it up and stuff, and toss the snow over the over the boards. The funny thing is. <laughs> when people come out and watch it, they would be standing up to their chest right in the beginning of the season. <laughs> yeah. And then at the end of the season, they'll be standing above because all the piles all the of snow. snow from that ring <laughs> gets yeah, shoveled over the boards and stuff. But anyway,
1: you had a snow stadium.
0: Right. Exactly. And then, uh, you know, so I, I all of a sudden I developed this sinus infections and, and, uh, uh, in in Soviet Union the in Russia right now the sinus infection is a big deal. Right here you I've just got one to right now, buddy. Oh man, I oh I gotta I gotta oh let you, me show you this. You got a
1: cure? Yes I do. Zycam?
0: Okay Yeah. You count to three and you cleared. And this is a salt based thing. It's not addictive it's like Afrin or something.
1: Okay. I'll I'll try that. I mean, I Check it out. I had to blow my nose like 50 times. I got at least, you know, 16 ounces of snot that came out of my head before we started. Yeah,
0: this. Ch- try that Zycam and I'll clear you up. So anyway, and uh, so uh, big deal, you know, uh, over here, you just go and get the uh, antibiotics and, you know, go through it, eat your pills and then you're good in three days. Yeah over there it's like oh my god you cannot go outside you cannot play hockey oh my god so i would leave my gear at my friend's house which is the the uh, anybody who played hockey knows what the gear smells like right <laughs> <laughs> so thank you and, and uh, yeah and i would only the only thing that i wouldn't leave there is my helmet because i had like this awesome for helmet that i had but anyway and uh, then my my mom was at the time of a practice. I would go, uh, "Yeah, I'm off to study with, you know, with Andre." He goes, "Okay," and I go, <laughs> I go on that practice, come back all sweaty and stuff.
4: <laughs> you know, like, you didn't study. She,
0: uh, they don't notice and whatnot, and I've been doing that too because otherwise they will, you know. You listen to the doctors. Doctors will tell you never to play any sports, never freaking leave your house.
1: Oh, they don't want do you do anything. Do. Yeah. They just want you to take their drugs.
0: Yes, exactly. And uh, so, yeah, I did that first before I did the sample thing. But uh, nevertheless, yeah.
1: Well, it's good uh, to know that the medical profession isn't any different in Russia than it is here in America. <laughs> <laughs> it's all yeah. a scam.
0: Uh, oh yeah, the the best is when they uh, see it was mandatory. The PE was mandatory all the way to senior senior year in Soviet schools. Yeah. It should be here, too, by the way. Well, you I'm know, it, it used
1: to be that way, Marco. It, it, just, like, just like during your time when I grew up, that was a part of our curriculum.
2: Is, yeah, was, there you go. was PE, and, and
1: but, all the way through high school, it was that way also.
0: Yeah, and you develop a little snuffles and stuff. You go to your local uh, family doctor in polyclinic, and she gives you 10 days off the, the PE,
4: which <laughs> gives you
0: 45 minutes two times a week to go and screw around, do, to do something other than PE, yeah. but, you know. But in any case, so,
1: yeah, so. Well, that was the thing. like They had, <laughs> for those who weren't on a sports team, you know, PE was a, a required thing. So whatever they did, because I don't know, because I was always on a, a sports team. So I don't know what they did for PE. Uh, you know, they go to the gym, play basketball, they do tennis. They You know, they'd mix it up and do different things, I guess, uh, for PE classes. But, yeah, I mean, that was – even here, you know, like you said, that, that was part of it back in the day. That was part of our, you know, our whole curriculum and, and being outside.
0: Yeah, you know, that's I, the biggest I don't, thing. I can't remember be not
1: being outside in my childhood.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, the parents would kick you out if you were sitting oh. there watching TV or something. She's like, get the hell out. Get Go outside. Yeah. Get the ball or something. You know, and that was it. I mean, I kind of grew up in like a typical Soviet uh, city environment, which we had the and you know, ant hill and farm types, um, you know, apartment complexes or apart, apartment buildings.
2: Yeah.
0: And you come out you whistle, like immediately three or four faces show up in the window or the balcony and it's like, yeah, what's going on? It's like you're holding the ball like a soccer ball, and before you know it, you got a team to go and
2: the game the breaks out in the
0: school. Yeah, you got a game going.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, basketball, any anything, or I lived in literally in the center of the city and i was only 20 minutes away from a wild river right not like embankment like it goes through the city i'm talking about the trees you build a fire you go you can you woods go up and everything. mushrooms fish whatever you want deer 20 minute walk you know and uh yeah and uh in the summers we spend most of our time in the river just doing whatever fishing swimming my father was a big, big influence in that. He was, you know, like like in any society, there would be single moms, right? When the fathers are nowhere to be found or something, yeah. or the fathers are too busy for the kids. And he was like this surrogate, um, not father per se, but like adult figure. Sure. That, um, you know, uh, the kids, I would be coming back from like a practice, right? And just before my father would come back from work, and there would be like these kids, anything from like a three years younger than me to a year older than me, like any spectrum of kids that live in the, the three buildings that we kind of had as a neighborhood. Right. And they'll be there sitting with their rods and their little tackle boxes and stuff and a little bread bag with some raw potatoes and salt and whatnot. Which we would build a fire mm-hmm. and, and bake them in the in the coals and stuff then eat them and it's like the best meal you ever had oh yeah and you tips of your fingers are pitch black your face is like from here <laughs> to here is all in the soot and <laughs> black charcoal whatever
1: but it was the best. But it's time. the
0: happiest times and uh, so he would they a bunch of them were like three or four or five maybe i don't know seven sitting in there they waiting for uncle jim to come from work so he comes And I'm already looking at him, and I'm, like, debating. I'm tired as hell. Should I go with him? Should I not go with him? Doesn't matter whether I go or not. He comes home. eats his dinner. Gets his reels, you know, rods and reels, and takes that group of kids with him to the river. Yeah. And he went through like, my mom, you know, when they were still alive, she would say, you know, he's still doing it. Like, three generations of kids went through, you know. Yeah, there's jeans, no uh,
1: fish on trips. how many generations that guy influenced you know
0: yeah and that's you know th- that's what's missing nowadays is that positive um the role adult,
2: model yeah uh,
0: adult figure you know and god knows that uh, today's youth needs it
1: oh more than ever without a doubt but
0: anyway Back to the book, I guess.
1: Back to the story. <laughs> well, we're we're building up to the book. We're we're building up to the to the story. So, um, the name of Marco's book for our listeners, it's the AK forty seven survival and evolution of the world's most prolific gun. Which you know, the AK forty seven is the one we're talking about. This is the AK corner. <laughs> we are talking about AKs. And, you know, like you you kind of kicked it off with, you know, this isn't a, a story about Mikhail Kalashnikov. That story's been told over and over and over and over again. Um, but you do, you know, you kind of touch on it and you do bring him in um, where necessary. But what I like about it is, you know, you also talk about other people that were involved with, you know, either decision making or the hands on. With the development of the AK and then of course you know as it progresses um, to, to where we are today with it
0: well one of the, I'm sorry to interrupt but no. I'm kind of like a, a one of my favorite subjects in that regard is that a story about Sudayev right so yeah. uh, we know Sudayev
1: PPS by, 43. Uh,
0: the PPS 43 there you go there you go so He did design that gun when he was 24 years old, and he was already a major. So back then, designers carried, um, they carried, uh, you know, military rank. Yeah. And, I mean, if anybody ever had a chance to kind of play around with that gun, it's like really hard to, um, and I have them as an SBR, and I have it as a machine gun and when you look at the machine gun it's uh ingeniously simple okay and you have to have sort of like a, a pro engineer or autocad 3d in your brain to imagine it a sheet of metal bending a certain way to create this particular gun and the gun only uh it's mostly sheet metal right so it's a uh, it's stamped uh other than the barrel the the trunion, and the and the uh um bolt but uh some of the uh, uh something happened
1: uh so I'm sharing my screen for our video audience oh, yeah, I'm bringing yeah, up the go. uh the p p s forty
0: three there you go and, an image. Um, it, some of the uh uh solutions i guess or some of the design features in this gun is like when I looked at it for the first time in the guts of it, I was like. Really? it's so simple for example the the return spring right a main spring that gets that rides along the side of the bolt and its tip is actually an ejector <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, on the guide rod on a uh the spring guide rod tip is an actual ejector i mean it it doesn't get any simpler than that but anyway So, Sudayev, the first um, set of uh, uh, testing, yeah, if you look at this picture right here, look all the way to the right where that little cylinder is right now, all the way around on the other side, if you put your cursor, uh, keep going to the spring. Right there. And you see, you see there's a cylinder that actually goes into that round hole on the, on the side of the bolt. Right. But to the right of that cylinder is the little tip, and that's what ejects you around. <laughs> As the bolt travels back on that spring.
1: That's what catches it the, and pulls carrying, it out.
0: Yeah. Carrying <clears throat> the spent casing. That's what the bottom of the casing interacts with to, with to uh, eject itself out.
1: My question but is this part right here, Marco. What, what do they make that? Uh, part out of the, the cushion area there.
0: Oh, that thing is made of, uh, it's got like a, a metal cup and uh, it's filled with cardboard. I, I believe it's a pressed cardboard.
1: Okay. I thought it was like either a hard leather or <laughs> cardboard or something. It's some, some cheap. Well, you got to
0: realize these guns were built in the uh, uh, blockaded uh, Leningrad, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know if the leather was available. It could have been leather. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. But it, but the the what I'm driving at is that um, the first military testing of a first automatic rifle, right? And I refuse to call it uh, assault rifle. Assault rifle was coined by uh, a little-known Austrian uh, watercolor painter. Alfie, uh, no, Aldi, <laughs> Hitler. And so no. I refuse to use his uh, his terminology. So it's a, it's yeah. an automatic rifle. In Russia, it's referred to as an avtomat. As well as the PPSA, PPS and PPSH are also referred to as an avtomat. And it was considered to be, in the Soviet military during World War II, it was considered to be a separate type of weaponry that would be counted as a different type of uh weapon within a squad or within a platoon. So you would say, uh my platoon on such and such day has in its possession this many rifles, this many aftermats, this many light machine guns, this many um heavy machine guns, you know, that yeah. kind of report which I couldn't believe that they separated those, but apparently also when they do those reports interesting detail when they do those reports when they did those reports they also separated svt separately okay from uh, so they called Mosin and again type of uh, uh, rifles they called them rifles period there's rifles. rifles but they would and um, different item a like different line item would be svt 40s this meaning and then they would say automatic you know this many yeah
1: and when they're saying so, automat so, what were the one what categorized which which goes were in It's basically
0: automatic the automatic rifle right? The ghost you know yeah it,
1: whatever they is, were using at the time fire.
0: right so automat is also the the a in the ak right
1: <clears throat> right
0: so it's also considered to be an automat so anyway, so first testing, uh, there was only one winner. Well, there were not.
1: Well, winners. now, you're jumping. You're jumping a little. Hey, are you talking about the AK?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on, okay. hang on. I'm, I'll, I'll finish up my, uh, I, you know, my. Uh, I
1: wanted to go before that, but yeah, go ahead. I did. Well,
0: hang on. I talked about Sudai, right? Right. So, so there were no winners in the first round of testings, but one rifle was. A leader, and it was considered to be a clear, clear leader amongst others. I mean, Kalashnikov's original gun that had the lower and upper receivers and stuff—it separated into and so on and so on—were completely brushed off. And Sudayev's AS-44 or something uh, was the gun that was a leader, and it was sent back to be. Developed further to get rid of uh, all the uh, uh, you know little corks and things that they didn't like. So, unfortunately, yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's the first Colossian right there up top. <laughs> so it anyway, was like a uh, Tommy gun. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, sudayev had the. Uh, 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 What's the word I'm looking for? Good Lord! He got sick. Yeah, he got sick. He had uh, the the uh, that the capist what's it called. Anyway, he was morally sick. He had tuberculosis uh, he, or something. Uh, I don't know what that was, but he died at the age of 28 in the midst of uh, devel- developing that gun. And when the government went back to his team, said, uh, "Okay, so can you?" Complete the gun. They said, no, most of his ideas was in his head. And he, um, and that's it. He died. And if he didn't die, it wouldn't be AK, that's famous gun, but it would be an AS 47.
1: Yeah. And this is the, I'm holding it up for our our viewing audience. And this is in Marco's right. book. Um, right. You know, and the fact that you were able to get examples of all these. These rifles, too, is impressive, and you have them in your book.
0: Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it took some time. But... So what else... Uh, what I'm, oh, go ahead. However, however, hang on a second. So then, second round rolls around. Uh, oh, I'll talk about okay. this. Okay, okay. I'll talk about this. Okay. But second round rolls around, right? And all of a sudden, AK, uh, or Kalashnikov, presents the gun... That is no longer his gun. It's not what he entered the first time. But it's more of like it's got the... Uh, it's solid and main receiver where, you know, it's housed everything that from Chernian to uh, trigger group. And he has a top cover, which was on the AS. So he, he borrowed a lot of the... Not necessarily, you know, the, you can only... you know. But it's so like you point out in your
1: it's like you point out in your book too. I mean, yeah, he bought he borrowed ideas because um, the way that Russia saw it was everybody was working for one common goal and they were working as a team and they actually encouraged people to take other people's ideas and, and improve on them and you know make exactly. them better. So yeah,
0: it's the that's a main directorate. Yeah, the, so if people
1: want to the, say uh, that he stole copy. I mean. Who doesn't do that? that's how things get better is you, you know you 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 improve upon other people's
0: <laughs> i genius. was just recently involved in like a, the most s argument Uh-oh. and i just <laughs> you know and i'm like old and wise i'm like the old bull right that walks downhill nowadays yeah. instead of running down so uh some idiot starts arguing with me it says kalashnikov let Dragunov use his design ideas and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll bite, uh, because it's two different, completely different guns: the uh, short stroke, long stroke, uh, different trigger groups. I mean, everything is different about the two guns. But this guy went on to, why can't you accept that that Kalashnikov allowed Dragunov? And I was like, dude, you obviously like twenty something years old. You never lived in Soviet Union. You don't know how that works. Nobody gave anybody permissions unless it was guided from top down from the government.
1: Socialist government
0: old designs. They, they moved like that's how Molek wound up with an RPK because they were kind of shriveling down with their PPSH forty three production, uh, PPSH forty one dwindling production, and they needed, you know, another design.
2: Yeah,
0: it's not like Izhevsk it, factory Izmash just give it to them. No, they didn't. It's the, it's the ministry of industry or whatever in development from the top told them to give them the. Your ideas
1: aren't are your ideas. They are all owned by the government.
0: Correct. So anyway, so uh, yeah, that's the story of how it, the AK came to be, and it's in part thanks to uh, uh, otherwise genius designer, ingenious designer uh, Sudayev. Sudayev. Yeah, he died at age twenty eight. And
1: yet wow. left a huge mark. Very young. So. Yeah, and you go into more detail in the book. So uh and, and we're not gonna just like do the whole book, but we were you know, we're just gonna kinda deep dive into some of the areas that you know I found like I said, you know, I kinda read between the lines and and, mm. and whatnot. But um to that, you know, the very first Oftimating uh, to to be, I guess, in in existence that we know of was from another fella, and it was prior to this. And it was prior yeah, to the F- Pekins, yeah, yeah. So talk well, about that real quick, a little bit.
0: Okay, so um, conventionally, people refer to A.K. Forty Seven as a rifle that was developed in nineteen forty. Well. 1945 and then eventually adopted in 1947. And before that, the other event was 1943 when intermediate cartridge M-43 was designed, right? However, the concept of automatic or automatic rifle was born way before that. And even though uh, of automatic, we know that was built and adopted in 1916, but actual Fedorov's uh, idea of a reduced power cartridge, which we now refer to as intermediate cartridge, goes back to 1906. Okay, And use of it in the regular infantry uh, rifle, like main battle rifle, uh, with the full automatic capability. So, and he... Uh, so he after the russo disastrous war uh russo japanese war of 1905 where russia lost not just their pacific fleet but also the baltic fleet and northern fleet and just about every fleet but the black fleet uh and lost the control of port arthur right in the korean peninsula and few of other territories like Kur- Kuril archipelago Oh, and part of uh, Sakhalin Island. It was disastrous and terrible war. However, uh, during that time, Russians were able to actually uh, have some victories in the land war rather than naval campaign, which was completely, you know, lost. And they captured this of 6.5, you know, cords of it, Good stock of it, let's put that one. A 6.5 Arisaka. So, Fedorov written uh, this um, not dissertation, but let's say a paper where he was saying that uh, every uh, infantry soldier could be turned into a machine gunner with a lightweight. rifle that was capable not only of uh, its regular duties of precision fire but also uh, full automatic capability like a machine gun and create and that's all this is the time when the military is starting to understand the concept of thickness of fire and thickness of fire is how many rounds in one particular period of time you can put through a square meter like in russo japanese War, was two rounds like per, per second or something right and then so to increase that thickness which means the probability of striking the target would increase dramatically he understood that the uh, full automatic fire was a must so he made some prototypes and stuff, but the Russia at the time going from r- disastrous Russo Japanese uh campaign into rolling into a World War One, you know, they didn't have money. They just basically said, Forget it. Unless you can create this for our, you know, most and again, you know, three lines cartridge
2: mm-hmm. that
0: we can produce. So we have no no uh no financial capability to build a factory just to produce that Japanese ammo, you know, 6.5 every second. And so that kind of put it on the back burner. And then the war work once showed up, kind of, you know, and and, the thickness of fire became a major thing and every nation that fought the war had to put a lot of stock into machine guns. All of a sudden, uh, Fodorov's concept became a live project again. And in 1916, they adopted the aftermath Fodorov. Which was, if you look at it right now, it looks like it could be a modern rifle.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's... I it it had detachable
0: 20-round magazine, right? Uh, it had that weird front handle, like uh, the Romanians barred afterwards that <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't a long it was shorter than the carbine shorter shorter than drag, Dragoon version of Muslim again and however uh referring to overall uh, personnel of Russian Imperial Army during World War II uh, World War one I'm sorry where the officer Corps was out of the uh, noble and and high society people where the regular uh soldiers of the privates and the sergeants enlisted and everything were um, conscripts usually from uh, you know the villages and stuff and at the time russia was not industrialized country right mm-hmm. so everything was the horse the cow so uh that kind of stuff so when you give somebody a machine and gun anywhere you flip-flop it right Mm -hmm. Uh, gun is a machine now bolt gun is a mechanism right but fully automatic gun is a machine or a semi-automatic gun is a machine and it's basically if you can convey it to like a non-military term it, it it's a internal combustion single piston internal combustion engine
1: right exactly
0: and uh, so instead of having a, a chamber where you got expansion chamber where you got the gasoline and, and, and air mixture and spark plug, you got the primer and powder creating the same explosion that pulls pushes the piston back, so to speak, and then so on and so on. So given the machine to a uh, not highly educated conscript in the Imperial Russian Army during World War I. You obviously do, and um, you know, you, you obviously fallen short as far as like expecting this guy to maintain the gun, to operate it properly, and so on and so on. So, on. so they don't understand you,
1: how it works, they're not going to know how to maintain it.
0: Yeah, in the in, you know, I mean, their mindset is like, Oh, I know how to pull the bolt and then send around, the then lock it up, to pull the trigger. Right here, I have to take this pin out and this spring out, and I gotta clean it and, and all this. So it was not conducive. However, a few hundred thousand of them were produced and were used with uh, various uh, success. Overall, if you take that gun, you put it now into the hands of a regular, the modern gun owners in in the uh, today's you know environment. Yeah, it'd be nothing exceptional and nothing complicated it would be exactly probably the same as maintaining a, a fn fal or something like that right you know what i mean or in some cases it would be some of the guns would be even more more complicated than that gun sure but it wasn't it was not its time let's put it this way however uh, it was the the soviets once the bolsheviks came to power in 1917 they kind of played an idea, they issued those guns to the Red Army troops fighting the whites the White Army in the Civil War. And again with various success. However, as we progress forward to nineteen thirty nine and the in the winter war between Finland and, and Russia and Finland, yeah. the Finns actually well, Finns had a little a gun famine, so to speak. So they would appreciate just about any injection that the Russian captured guns would do. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, since the until 1917, Finland was a part of the Russian Empire, they had the stockpiles of Mosin uh, Magazine that they could rework into their M39s and so on and so on. And they had a the, uh, good number of, uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but good number of uh, Fedorov aftermaths that they used. In defense of their country in 1939. So, uh, yeah. So that's definitely
1: Sturmgewehr. um, I was gonna. I was gonna bring that up.
0: (laughs) Right, not necessarily the first assault rifle. The concept of assault rifle was born in 1906, and in different country altogether than Germany. Yeah. And then it was materialized in 1916, and in school. You know, to its fullest, uh, also in a different country. And, uh, and now the uh, Stone Givers, I guess the biggest. Okay, go ahead. Maybe. Um, well, I was just, ones I ones. was
1: just gonna. I mean, you've you've kind of led into it. Um, and you know, Hugo Schmizer. Um, you, you don't think too highly of of Hugo, as far as you know, in relation to the to the AK um
0: okay but um, you're bringing
1: in you know the history of this and the stromgewehr does play a history in the development of the the ak so
0: um even the, even the hugo schmeisser when he was asked like did you you know help him to build it he basically said that um quote unquote i gave him a few pointers. And I started digging into it, and basically he, uh, su- he had a few, few suggestions on how to stamp the bodies of a magazine yeah. to, to produce it, uh, to make it thinner, but yet Sturdy. retain the sturdiness of it. Because the original ones were the, like, a, when you look at the PPS
2: 43, they're just yeah, slap-sided
0: smooth magazines.
2: yeah,
0: And uh, um, so... He gave him the idea, and if you look, if you take a Sturmgewehr uh, magazine, you take a uh, uh, take a um, um, AKM magazine, you'll see a lot of similarities the way it's constructed. Yeah. Now, here's something about Hugo Schmeisser. Okay, Hugo never went to any kind of technical school. Okay, he didn't go to college to become an engineer. Yeah learn learn about the resistance of materials or theory of machines and mechanisms, right He was his father's son who had successful uh, arms business right built guns mm-hmm. so he picked up everything and 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 you know even in modern society, five years of work in a particular factory in the field kind of equates to a, a college degree, right. So that's how they they treat you. If you if you've been standing at the machine here machining a certain things for five years, you probably know more about it than let's say a recent graduate from uh, Ross Holman uh, School of Engineering. Sure,
1: right? absolutely. Hand, However,
0: hands on, yeah. Right. However, uh, you're not familiar with the Hooke's law and other things, the main states of engineering science. Right. So just because of that, when he got captured and and, uh, as part of reparations, rightfully so, I don't give a shit what anybody says. uh, As part of reparations, a lot of engineers, German engineers, wound up working at the Soviet factories after the war.
1: Sounds familiar, doesn't it? For us Americans, for us Americans. (laughs)
0: So, anyway, but you would think they were all issued this gray pajama suit, and they all had to walk in formations and all that shit. Bullshit. They were treated, in some cases, even better than the Soviet workers that they worked with. In fact, they let them retain their command structure, like meeting the chief engineer and the assistant engineers, and so on and so on. And they were paid exactly the same amounts of the Soviet counterpart. Okay? Mm. And they were issued an apartment. So if you were unmarried, you would live in the dormitory. If you married, they were allowed to bring their families. Get this. Get the families, the children. For the children, there was a German schools. Yeah. And their families lived in apartments.
1: Well, they wanted to make them happy, you know, so that they would share their knowledge, right? I mean, it was. Yes, but. Okay, More of don't a get me wrong kind of thing. In
0: this one. Don't get me wrong in this one. Golden <sighs> Cage is still a cage. Okay? But it was, you know, promise promised that they will all go back soon. Sure. Anyway. So Hugh, Hugo Schmeiser, having brought his wife and two daughters or whatever, took frequent trips to Black Sea, right? Uh enjoyed his weekends in the local parks. Right, lived in an apartment but he was being paid a lot less than his German counterparts for which he always complained and freaking cried to no To the point where the German colleagues did not want to work with him anymore
2: and they read the
0: letters to that effect and the re- reason he was complaining is because he thought he deserved to be paid more but in Soviet structure your pay was dependent on your education and your seniority. So, like, let's say if you had a higher education, like, let's say, college degree, mm-hmm. you would get paid more than you if you went to vocational school. And that person would get paid more than the person that did not go to school.
1: Probably had something to do with uh, what they contributed also.
0: Well, because of him complaining and his German counterparts Not wanting to work with him, right? Uh, He was pretty much given some very small detailing jobs on some non significant parts. Right. Okay. And then eventually he went back in 1952. He went back to to Germany.
2: Germany.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And since then he created Dick, right? He didn't create anything, right? Because he didn't have all that structure behind him of his father's shop. Or the Nazi government contracts. Now,
1: did he? Is he the actual um, inventor of the or designer of the SDG 44? Or is it his father?
0: Everybody everybody, uh, thinks so, and I I don't have any uh, material or documents that I can rely on to say that no, he wasn't. Yeah. Right? So I uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say that he was a specialist who uh, kind of possessed knowledge of stamping. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he was uh, he was exceptionally good at stamping. Now, so since he went to, so a lot of people say, "Well, the is stamped and stuff." Well, well it didn't stamping, start off that he way. Uh, yeah, it didn't show up until 1959. Seven years after he was already living in Germany, so therefore, I, uh, I just got our uh, FFL renewed. So
1: congratulations, my
0: son came in. Thanks. Anyway, so uh, and uh, uh, so that was the thing. So he wasn't qualified specialist to warrant a better pay. Yeah. Continue, but you know, you're kind of you're
1: kind of busting the myth that he 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 was attributed to contributing attributed to contributing to some of the designs of the ak when it you know with the stamped version of it and, and right. he really didn't because he wasn't even there when
0: also uh at the time when the ak was being developed it was developed in Kavrov it wasn't anywhere near Izhevsk where this dude was working
1: where he was working
0: so that's another thing but you know who else didn't go to college
1: uh i know several people who
0: did (laughs) no i mean in the arm designers and stuff i don't think uh, kalashnikov did did he correct he didn't yeah (laughs) so he he didn't go to college neither did barrett to ronnie barrett college to learn about he was a photographer (laughs) there you go yeah and uh i'm not sure if eugene stoner um, was actually uh, firearms designer when he embarked on his iconic gun, but I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, but, but uh, the Barrett for sure, and uh, yeah, Kalashnikov was not either. So yeah. uh, that's why they uh, when they recognized his talent, they constantly pushed him to go and get the degree. Go get the degree. Go to vocational school yeah. first, then go to this. Go well, to well, you and know, central. that's the
1: thing too. You know, Kalashnikov is attributed with, you know, being the father of the AK-47, but there are a lot of people that were behind him, beside him, encouraging and giving him him the tools and, you know, the people that he needed to, you know, bring his his dream to fruition.
0: Well, I mean, like, I spent 16 years in the railroad industry, right? And uh, 10 years of it was manufacturing track maintenance equipment. And uh, I'm a mechanical engineer myself by trade. And uh, so I participated in design reviews and contributed to designs and stuff. And the way, like, let's say, you take one single, you know, track machine for, you know, since I do have experience with it. And it has hydraulics. It has the pneumatics, the brakes and stuff, right? It has electrical, right? And when the design, when the concept of it Arises and then there's, uh, you know, different groups of engineering within the engineering department actually deal with, you know, structural parts of Focused, it. Focused. Yes. Then this guy's electric electrical group. Here's the hydraulics right here, right? And then when it comes together, of course, the guy who's in charge of it all, he supervises it. Says, no, this would not work. We need to move this, or we need the larger. Pump because we're going to be swinging more weight here, mm-hmm. and so on and so on. But uh, as far as the detailing is concerned, and actually coming up with ideas and some of the technical solutions to a particular design, they have groups of people. Yeah, like I mean, the guns cannot be developed separately from, let's say, ammunition. That that was a big concept in uh, Soviet Union. Is what they called a shooting complex, which is the gun plus ammo in in. Uh, case with the SVD was gun optics and ammo, right? Yeah. So, uh, or in the case 74 for example, right? Um, the best, hands down, and anyone who disagrees with me can throw a rock at me right now <laughs> to the screen.
2: They
1: might.
0: And uh, that uh, 5, 5.45 by 39 cartridge is hands down the best Fighting carbine cartridge that we have right now in existence. In the forget world. Forget all your uh, 6.8, 6.5s. Forget all about it. 5.4.5 is the best modern war fighting carbine cartridge.
1: And why do you say that?
0: Well, it flies long hits hard out of short barrels.
1: To get the best so, of all worlds, see the, the 5.4.5. The weight?
0: No impulse. I mean, it shouldn't like 22. In a full auto, it, it it's not even fair to fire AK seventy four in full auto. <laughs> Firing uh, if anybody has an uh, a- opportunity to fire RPK seventy four, take that opportunity. Get your girlfriend. Forget about anniversary dinner. If there's a chance to <laughs> to uh, to uh, fire RPK seventy four, go do it.
1: Do it today. It's, Do it right now. Stop what you're doing. Put this podcast on pause, and go shoot that yeah, thing.
0: Right. Well, and uh, and you'll see what I'm saying. Yeah, you'll, I've you'll shot them. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, there's not, like it's it shooting, um, it's slinging deadly deadly lead and steel. Accurate. To the area, yeah, like the size of a small child's dinner plate.
1: <laughs> I like that analogy. At That's the accurate. distance. So. so that answers our, our, I know we had some questions about what's your favorite round. Uh So there you go, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Unequivocally, well, it's the 545 uh, five by 39 for Marco. <clears throat> so he's holding up some mags now with it, loaded with. <laughs>
0: with the 7 and 6.
1: Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, if you got show and tell, have it, man. If you got guns and whatever, pu- pull them up. Show our audience. Um they love show and tell. I do too.
0: That's a it's a two we have to do the documentary on that like a 2-hour and probably enter a Venice Film Festival with that. Ooh. I didn't I'm know, down with that.
1: that. <laughs> I'm down with that. I'll do that.
3: Hey, Leadheads, Dwight Settle with Seal One. Just here to talk to you and tell you a little bit about our product. Seal One CLP Plus is a bio-based non-toxic product. It comes in a paste, liquid, aerosol, and pre-saturated bore-specific patches called seal skins. They all do the same thing, just different methods of application. The best way to use our product is to start with a clean firearm. There's two reasons why I say that. First, you start with the Seal One CLP Plus by field stripping your firearm and covering the entire firearm inside and out, bore, barrel, everything with the Seal One CLP Plus. You'll see how easy it spreads around. You'll want to wait about 15 to 20 minutes, then you come back and you want to wipe it all off. So you see how easy it is to put on and remove. And the second reason we say to use a clean firearm is you'll find that it's not clean. We're gonna pull out more carbon that's been left behind with whatever product you've been using before. Okay, it takes about three cleanings, so I like to say a clean shoot, clean shoot, clean shoot, just normal usage before the Seal One CLP Plus has removed whatever product that you were using before and has seasoned the firearm. It's kind of like breaking in a cast iron skillet, and after that first cleaning, you will notice a difference, and with each successive cleaning, you will find that it gets easier and easier to clean. Seal One CLP Plus is a dry lubricant and is designed to work as such you will find that malfunctions are virtually eliminated when used properly, because the majority of all malfunctions are caused to carbon buildup. And with the Seal One CLP Plus, the carbon does not build up. Seal One CLP Plus is safe on all metals, plastics, composites, polymers, rubber, wood, and leather. Seal One CLP Plus is a one and done formulation. No other products are required or needed to clean and lubricate and protect your firearm. That's why we say seal one and done. Seal One is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. Use the code Leadhead for a twenty five percent off discount.
1: But you know, back to the the original. You know, the AK forty seven, and this is kind of known to, and I think we've talked about it several times. But the round was what they started off with, the seven six two. But through to the M forty three round is what they they started off with, and they wanted a firearm designed around that because Mikhail's original gun that he was working on designing was nothing near the AK forty seven. It was
0: right. It, it was uh, it was another uh, machine pistol. What they referred to as uh, to uh, PPSs and PPSHs and PPDS. Yeah, they were machine pistols. They call them. Hence the PP, right? It was pistol. Polymer, uh, pistolet, polymer, you know, machine gun pistol. Machine gun, pistol. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was not what he, <laughs> and the funny thing is you kind of like to see well, first of all, it would be weird to deny that AK has AK's bolt has Um, its roots in the rotating Garand design. Because everything else um, everything else that was submitted for that testing had um, a design, either uh, a wedge or tilting bolt or something like that. Not, Not rotating bolt like he did. Right, and, and um, if if you ever, I mean, if you own a an AK and you took it apart, and then you take a Garant, if anybody's got m one Garant, run, and you just kind of play around by pulling on that charging handle, right, an apron, and then look straight down at the Garant,
2: Mm-hmm.
0: right, you cannot help but notice how similar.
1: A yeah, a little similar.
0: Except in the AK, you can't really see it because the, the bolt carrier is sitting right over it. Right. But in the Garant you can see it right there, how the bolt comes in and turns. Yeah. And then it goes back and it turns. And then if you look at the, at the uh, um, Kalashnikov's original machine pistol design that he did in Kazakhstan and, while recovering at the railroad depot while recovering from wounds. You can see a heavy, heavy uh, Thompson influence.
1: Yep. Thompson submachine gun. I'm going to hold a picture up right here.
0: I mean, the front handle, the square kind of uh, square receiver that goes past the pistol grip, right? Yeah. The
1: the front grip there.
0: (laughs) So maybe he had some kind of like a magazine while laying there in the hospital bed, somebody showed him a little magazine highlighting the American weapons and stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, like you but, said, I but, mean, all's fair in, in love and war. And if he had those to, to base his, his design, on, yeah, that's what he was using. So well, a I little mean, combo like, of that I mean, and the PPS and, uh, you know, several other ones kind of thrown in there. So,
0: well, you, you know, you go into this thing, this, you know the same as it goes um uh, you know there's so many ways to skin the cat right and, in right. Uh, in the design of the weapons it's also there's only so many ways to lock that bolt or so many ways to have your uh, operating system work uh with the gases and stuff so right.
1: based on a gas someone, system yeah
0: right so it's only in, uh, what works the best and it's not necessarily the the copy is a copy. You take you take it, you draw it up, you detail it, take the measurements and everything. Then you take the samples of a right uh, of a material and stuff, start to match, you know, try to match the the uh, the steel and so on and so on. But it's not copy when you look at something. Oh, I like that idea. Then you draw up your own thing based on the idea of rotation example mm-hmm. right and you can basically take uh you can take any gun apart any gun well other than maybe 1911 or something right and uh uh truly revolutionary guns like first of its time sure. uh, of its time and you can look at them you can pick apart and say oh this is from uh, martini henry or this is from uh whoever or this is from this and this and it you know just because it's the mechanical principles how things work but anyway yes so there's definitely uh, that if somebody would ask me and i would say yeah definitely there's influences that i can see in grant and do that sure. experiment just do your you know do your ak thing and then grab your did grant he borrow really ideas
1: I, absolutely he borrowed ideas you know and yeah, he absolutely come no and that, doubt about it like you say that's what that's what everybody does yeah. Right. Unless you come up with just something completely different, which but that's like, very rare. You know,
0: referring back to like Sturm Giver, right? Sturmgewehr. And if if you're truly unbiased person and you have AK lane right here, and then you got the M sixteen lane right here, and then you have the Sterngever, and you start comparing them. M sixteen is exact copy. <laughs> You yeah. know, the layout, you know, where you got your buffer into a stock, the same big old spring in the Sturmgewehr. You got even the little, uh, what do you call it? Though? God, man, I keep forgetting all these words. The little uh, cover, the spring cover, spring cover, injection port. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. The way it comes apart, you pull the pin out that sure. the lower and upper receiver. <laughs> but
1: that's so the thing, is it, somebody takes a you know, an idea and then they improve upon it and that's
0: Exactly. And just that's because, how the
1: AK evolved, you know, like you were saying earlier with the, the competition back in thirty nine, um, they came up with the design and they didn't stop there. They kept improving upon it.
0: Yeah. And I'm just saying, like again, uh, you know, <laughs> Just because the gun from the side and the, for a person who is either stupid or, or blind, the looks about they're kind of similar, although it's about six inches longer and, you know, three inches taller and yeah. and so on and so on. But it looks because of that front side and, and uh, you know, pistol grip and stuff. Oh, it's totally, uh, they copied the freaking design. You know, but for those of us who know about guns and you, you can have the M16 and then you can have the Sturmgewehr and you can have an AK next to each other. You'll find more similarities in M16 design versus the AK design to Sturmgewehr. But does it mean that the Eugene Stoner went and freaking uh, just copied the Sturmgewehr? Of course not. Yeah. Once you open it, once you open it, the <laughs> First of all, it's direct impingement, it's, it's like totally um,
1: you're into automobiles, right? You're into oh,
0: yeah, cars and stuff.
1: you remember the Fieros? Was it Pontiac? Oh, yeah, you yeah, can, yeah, yeah, you yeah. remember the Fierro? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like a poor man's Ferrari. <laughs> if you yeah. put a Fierro and a Ferrari it. next to each other, it's like, oh you know, they're both kinda kinda similar in looks, but then you get in the under the hood and it's completely different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, tragically enough, um, when I was racing motorcycles in uh, in Long Island, my uh, I had a mechanic named Francisco, like great mechanic, unbelievable. I mean, just I mean, you would come off the bike, for example, right and during the practice, you have that thing put together for the race and stuff, and just unbelievable. And uh, I guess he always wanted the little. Little Fiero, because of that, because it
1: looked like a little Ferrari. Because <laughs> it was like a little Ferrari, yeah.
0: Yep. And he eventually died in it, so.
1: That's, oh, uh, shit. Sorry to hear that. Okay, he died in the yeah. Fiero? Yeah. Because he was trying to he make was... it into a Ferrari, probably.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I. I uh, they say he went right through the, the, the moon roof that those cars had. Mm hmm. Except half a body left in the car and half kind of came out. So oh, I mean, yeah. it was right kind of split him down the middle. It was uh, well, not fully, but I'm just saying. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: you know, basically, his hand hit this thing and it broke his skull in half. But uh, like I said, it was very straight. Uh, yeah. But anyway, besides
1: we Talking
0: about the book, yeah. He's happy probably in heaven somewhere having fun racing motorcycles or something.
1: So let's progress a little further because everybody kinda knows the you know the the progression. So you went from the the AK forty seven, the milled, and then they went to the stamp, the AKM for you know, basically cost, weight, you know, benefits. And they made they made some other changes too. The the butt stock was was raised and talk talk about that. I
0: had the I had maybe this is the moment when I'm talking to Mikhail uh, about the six degree freaking stock thing.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: At the dinner. So let's. It's interesting.
1: I want to talk about. I want to talk about the dinner. I want to. I want to get into because you actually. You met and spent time with Mikhail Kalashnikov, which they... Uh, yes,
0: yes, I did, yes. Well, anyway, let's go back to stamp versus... Okay, uh, all right, Neil. but I
1: want to talk about the dinner. Okay. <laughs>
0: so, the, originally, the gun was actually stamped, but it was a combination of stamp and machine uh, components that uh, comprised, or I guess completed the receiver. Yeah. And it was kind of like weird and asinine. And believe it or not, when they came up with completely milled receiver, the designation of that gun was actually AKM, not like, as we know, AK-47 Type 3. Right. It was actually AKM. For milled? No, for modernized. Oh, for modernized, okay. Right. Or modified, rather. Modified. And uh, they... um, Uh, You know, it was a solid design. It was good. But waste of the material producing that particular uh, receiver out of a chunk of steel was 15 kilograms of steel. Okay? And that's like, let's see, 33? No. Yeah, 30, 33 pounds or somewhere in that, 35 pounds,
1: whatever. Yeah, starting off with, like, 35 pounds, and then they end up with the, the
0: 10. No, I mean, that was a waste, waste. Oh, that's how much they waste was 30,
1: 35 yeah. pounds.
0: Yeah. Damn. So, I mean, they had to, like, uh, you know, they formed it, I don't know, you know, the process. Anyway, so they start looking at... Um, getting away from the this complicated machining process because they wanted to produce not hundreds of thousands of rifles they would have produced millions of them and so they in 1959 they adopted what became an AKM design right so which is a stamp receiver with the forged trunnion, and and so on and so on and and the riveted it together so they reduced, so that particular process wasted only seven kilograms of steel.
2: Mm, Huge. So
0: more than a half. And, uh, you know, it was no-brainer to switch to uh, cheaper, easier to produce, faster to produce gun. Now, you're mentioning the stock. So Mm -hmm. this is, if, if Kalashnikov was like this guy that was like this, uh, Palpatine, you know, <laughs> over the Dark <laughs> Lord Palpatine. over the the universe of his gun, then it still would have that six degree <laughs> down downward.
1: Oh, uh, that was his. That was his thing. stickler, huh?
0: Right, and, and I asked him about it. It's like why, <laughs> and he goes, "Well, this way it hides the the a soldier's." head lower when he aims the gun and i'm looking at him going i mean i don't need to disagree with you with anything no disrespect, nobody sir. and you're a genius <laughs> and stuff and this and that but isn't that the height of your head is actually determined by the alignment between front and side which is on both guns at the same and uh, that kind of hung in the air. <laughs> I still think that six six degree, you know, downward uh, position of a stock is the better.
1: He was just stuck. I on said, that. "Well,
0: by by logic, it's not. <laughs> All you're doing is by physics." Instead of a true cheek weld, you got the chin weld.
1: I mean, God, for God's, sake, it's low enough already. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, you're your, uh your sight picture being even lower.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's determined the position of your rear side and the front side, right? And the alignment, yeah. it doesn't matter what the stock does. I mean, in this case, uh, you know, you would have a shoulder weld, for sure, but you would have a chin weld rather than the cheek weld, right? Yeah. So they did that and they did the straight uh, stock, the straightened stock, the straightened stock on the uh, AKMS rifles you know the underfolders yeah and a few other things um
1: barrels they shortened the barrel a little bit more i believe i don't know
0: about the length of the barrel but they uh that's what you said. i think they they <laughs> it's thinner was uh the profile was thinner
1: was it thinner okay yeah, i may have misread but, the, but i thought that's what you put in here i'm just going by well waiting.
0: i mean they made uh, they made like the, the gas system was completely redesigned with the uh, just the two ports instead of like right. four ports on two spots
2: yeah
1: and they did um, that because uh, it obstructed their vision.
0: So yeah, less the gas and stuff yeah. the, the, the Mirage or whatever that, the rise yeah and uh, you know made the gun more weldable and and so much so that um, it still is the number one I mean number one design produced in the United States. And abroad, other than Bulgaria, for example, yeah, like Romanians, and you know, who else makes them? Romanians and Romanians yeah. and Polish, Polish. You know, yeah. they still make the AKMs. And then, every gun that's made here in the United States, and I'm not sure about the gym. if Jim switched to 74 platform, uh, but anyway, Fuller, you uh, know, you take the Riley <clears throat> Dynamics, you take the PSA. Everybody's making AKM, the AKM-based, you know, yeah.
1: product. Yeah, I mean, it just makes sense. It's it's cheaper. It's cheaper to make.
0: I mean, you know, I'm talking about as opposed to 74, for example.
1: Oh, for the, okay.
0: Which should be about the same.
1: Yeah, and and <clears throat> I wonder why we don't see more of the, the
0: 74s, the... F- I guess because because of uh, huge influx of let's see um,
1: the ammo maybe the, the quantity no, of ammo no,
0: ammo is I would get, I, I'll get to ammo in a second here but yeah uh, let's say from the nineties right from uh, mid nineties you had uh, let's say Maddies right Egyptian. original Romax. From, uh, from uh, Romania switching to Wassers, then you had some uh, Hungarian guns coming in, then you had the second <laughs> generation Modi's that were worse than the first, yeah. Uh, then you had uh, the oldest kits coming in back in like a late 90s, early 2000s, right? All cut up AKMs, like anything from Polish to you Romanian go. to. Just about anything. And they were all AKMs until uh some people start bringing in Bulgarian guns, like in seventy you know, AK seventy fours, AKSUs and things like that. But compared to the kids, and still the kids still coming in, you know, and they all AKMs. So the only two people that made AK seventy fours in in any significant numbers was the Soviet Union and Bulgaria. You know, uh, uh, East Germany made some, but the rest of them were because at that time, you know, everything was getting loosey goosey, and the Soviet Union did not, although they kind of forced their Marshall Pact allies to switch to a 545 by 39 cartridge Mm -hmm. as a main cartridge in the battlefield. But they didn't. Hand out the licenses to produce 74. And like Romanian said, you know, we don't need a little make our own. hands mm-hmm. the ROMAC 2, right? Or was it the SAR 2 or something? Remember that weird thing came in with the Ben? Oh, Georgian yeah. handle. <clears throat> yeah. Basically, AKM, AKM chambered in 762, uh, 545.
1: 545.
0: Yeah. Czechs just start screwing around and develop their own weird gun it's basically <laughs> they tried to marry their vz with uh, the ak and that was uh that was disaster it never materialized before the fall of the uh, soviet union and, and uh, uh dissolution of warsaw pact right so the only people who really produced the guns in numbers in that particular configuration was the bulgarian soviet union and 545. Uh, but AKMs, everybody and his mother, and they were bringing them, they tried to capitalize on the American market, so they brought them in. So, our illustrious gunsmiths around here start making, or copying, the AKM guns. And to this day, they become becoming the main state. Even taking some of the PSA guns that when they announced the 103 mm-hmm. release, when I looked at it in the shot show, it was an AKM dressed as a 103. The different 90-degree gas block. Yeah. You know, the the front front side block and muzzle device. But the uh, uh, bolt carrier in the bolt was still AKM.
2: Yeah. Well, I
1: mean... <clears throat> It's one of those things where, and I think you you mentioned it in in the book too, is you know, you reach a point to where there's just really nothing else that you can do to it. That is true. Until, you know, unless you're changing it. And then you're changing it, and then it's not an AK anymore. Then it's something else.
0: Well, I mean, if you treat it AK as a gun, right? As a gun, as. Automatic rifle Kalashnikov per mm-hmm. se, like AK-12 now, the newest version of AK has very few things that the Kalashnikov actually came up with
2: yeah. originally
0: in it, and the first version of it, which was actually um, rejected by the by the Russians. Had nothing to do with it. Period. Even the bolt carrier was changed. I I guess the bolt itself remained as an AK seventy four bolt, but the rest of it was completely redesigned, including the including the receiver.
1: Well, and that's you know that's the thing. Is that at a certain point, it's it, it, it 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 ceases to be an AK because of all the differences. You know, it's just like. His AK, where yeah, he borrowed some ideas from, you know, like you said, the Tommy gun, the um, the M1 Garand, the PPSH, you know, some different components here and there, and you know, to make this where it ceased being those other entities at that point, and it became its own entity, you know, and I think that's where we are with the evolution of the the AK, is that it has to. It has to amalgamate into something else.
0: But remember when I was saying that uh, the any gun, semi-automatic or full-automatic gun, is a machine. Yeah, right?
1: yeah a machine is a machine. Like
0: a car, for example. Because a car is a machine. In fact, in Italian, it's machina, right? You refer to a car? Yeah. Same in Russia. You say machina, right? So uh, anyway... Uh, as a machine it has a systems and it has mechanisms okay mm-hmm. so like ak is a long stroke gas system but everything else like the trigger group is mechanism uh the way that the bolt rotates is a mechanism and so on and so on so it's a you, you you know you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So you can change the mechanisms, but I guess one thing remains remains the system remains in, intact. But then again, is that he designed that system, or he just? I mean, there's only like four or five uh, gas systems that operate, and I mean, you can have in, in any kind of gun.
2: Yeah.
0: you can. You can completely dream up of something else like go to bed and then wake up oh shit i got this thing but it's still will use well, until you find something system. else
1: that's going to fuel it other than an explosion
0: well i mean no, you talking a... about completely different but i'm talking about yeah. a, like a regular gun with the regular cartridge i mean you got short stroke piston long stroke piston direct impingement right and then you you got uh, a free bolt system, like in submachine guns yeah. right, and pistols, and then you got another one capturing uh, uh, gases at the muzzle of device, which Germans love that older machine guns and in the Gewehr forty one was. Yeah, right. Instead of roller delayed uh, and all of, kinds uh, of different stuff. Yeah, instead of uh, getting the gases uh, through the hole in the in the barrel. Yeah. So you can so four or five major systems and that's all that's all I mean you can make the piston different like let's say if you take SVT 40 and let's say SVD right both of them have a short stroke piston system right but one of them has a piston it, uh, has a cylinder that has a fixed piston like an SVT. And the cylinder is moving around the pistol, like this. Yeah. Don't show it to you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's what Marco's going to be doing tonight. He just showed us.
0: would have a fixed <laughs> cylinder and the piston moving in the cylinder. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, but the, in principle, it's the same system. Right short story. Yeah.
1: So, at, at what point? The- at what point has the the AK stopped becoming the AK?
0: I think uh, uh you can well first of all of course people will tell you oh never never happened. Still an AK any way you flip flop it. And and you can argue that still got the same receiver, same bolt carrier, same bolt, same trunnion. It's still an AK kinda,
2: mm-hmm. right?
0: But the biggest, I guess, the the, the time when you can claim that it's no or somebody would say that it's no longer AK would be AK12.
1: Okay, so when the AK12 came out, that's kind of the the defining is like, yeah, well, it's really got too many other components in, that Kalashnikov in, in didn't the, design, the,
0: right?
1: But even then,
0: though uh, the if you look in my book, and when I talk about AK-12, and it's the first version of it, mm-hmm. um, that was, you know, I mean, that was a departure. And but then, although as excited as I was about it, and I even built a gun to kind of mimic, uh, mimic all the features and stuff in it. Yeah, and I think it's in the book too. And pretty much I mimicked everything on that gun, meaning. Uh, I could charge the gun from left to re- either from the left. No, not that one. The one before that. Oh. One before that. The chapter before this? No, no, it's, it could be chapter before. Uh, let me see. So this
1: is the chapter.
0: No, no, no. The final, it says, right? But uh, look at the chapter before that. Okay. So keep talking while I'm doing that. So anyway, and uh, so I mimicked, uh, they were saying, oh, now you can charge it from left or right. You can release the magazine with your trigger, gun, you know, gun. You can operate your safety now with the thumb. So um, I kind of mimicked everything in, in the gun and I just took it to regular K-74 and turned it into, you know, with, with components. Is it? There you go. Yeah, this is this is it right here. Okay. With the components that readily available in the in the U.S. market, you know, I mean, the, the I had the Zhukov stock from uh, Magpul. Pool. Yeah. Pretty pretty uh, similar. Um, I had the top cover from this guy. Um, um, it's called the Lynch Systems. Okay. Uh, it's actually a pretty cool uh, product. Uh, he makes the, he makes a top covers, AK top covers, where he installs FNFLA type of charging handle, non reciprocating on the left upper corner of the top cover. Hmm. And what it does, it hooks up, it's got the little uh, notch that's, I guess, the little latch that hooks up to the, the bolt, uh, the bolt carrier. Yeah, hmm. exactly. That way, and uh, and you can charge the charge the gun with that. So and so and on, so. on. So, but it was. So probably did you get the it,
1: did you get the specs from somebody on the the AK12? Is that how you were able to try to reproduce it?
0: Correct. Okay. You know, so I got the technical description and uh, not necessarily specs like a per se, but it's a, a detailed description of a gun. Yeah, and in uh, its functionality. So, and I was able to kind of replicate it pretty close, but it still was recognizably AK. You know, it was still AK seventy four with few few additions to it. Yeah, what I was driving at with that art, with that uh, chapter was like, not a big deal. <laughs> you right, can, you can make you can make AK twelve in your basement pretty much. Yeah. The, you know, not enough has changed with it
1: that you still couldn't.
0: Right. Readily get parts. Story, that, right? And then uh, I was kind of I bought into idea thinking that they're gonna go with it, which would be the huge departure for AK huge. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: And uh, and then come to find out, they decided to go with that newer version, which is basically. Uh, Modified AK AK seventy four, all right. The the final version, and then I took the uh, EO, io io ink M two fourteen gun with combination front uh, front side and gas block, and I kind of made a clone of that. And once again, I didn't go into any kind of gunsmithing or anything other than pressing. Kind of modifying the front front side, I needed for that D10 to mount the muzzle device. Right. So I just, you know, pressed that on the barrel, and that was the only gunsmithing that I did to it. But obviously, if somebody wants to uh, really go deep into it, the idea was that you can again make it in your basement, so to speak,
2: yeah.
0: uh, and clone it. And quite honestly, it shot really well. Both guns shot really well. I mean, whatever they did as far as maybe a muzzle devices that I used. Did you?
1: Did have have you got your hands on an actual AK? Yeah, yeah. Like a, a there real...
0: are a few floating around actually in uh, in uh, in our industry. And there's some people that have them.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard of some people that have those. Um, so you wrote this book. How many years ago was it?
0: Uh, I think it was in 18 maybe. 2018
1: is 18 what I was or thinking. or Yeah, I was thinking it was 2018 um is what I read there and since since writing this book, I mean I know you you continue to do your research and um and and, and learn things what as far as you know where they are now with the AK and and maybe not necessarily the AK but just their Russians You know, with their armament, the rifle, where are they at with it? AK. Still do the the AK?
0: They did the years ago, first of all, they have millions upon millions of these guns in their storage, right? Yeah. In case of war. And now it's becoming a little bit more necessary than than anybody in the world would like to see.
1: Yeah, there's a little skirmish going on somewhere in Ukraine or something like that.
0: Is that, yeah, is that what I heard? AK, yeah, AK is uh, on, the, on the stage, right? in the center stage yeah. in both cases. But, um, you know, I mean, there's development. So Russia always builds stuff for a purpose. They never just build it because they can, right? Uh, so uh, as far as the specialty weapons are concerned, I mean, they they got some awesome sniping, you know, sniper rifles coming out. Well, actually, out and they're being used. Anything from a frontline sniper to like a a mission specific sniper rifles are just unbelievable. Uh, there's a new frontline like replace the SVD. Mm-hmm. There's although the SVD is used extensively right now, and that's a what replaced the SVD. So. What's that?
1: What replaced the SVD?
0: Well, the, the, it's probably not going to get replaced for the next 10, 15 years, for sure. But there's a there one that's called a SV, SVCH. It's um, a little bit more modernized. It's just basically a modernized chassis using the same magazine, same ammo. But it's more like, a, you know, you can put stuff on it. Like, a, you know, it's all Picatinny and M-Lock and the, you know, free-floating barrels and things
1: like that. More accessory ready?
0: Yeah, yeah. There you go. Is is this it? Yep, this is it.
1: Okay, I just did a Google search on it. Um, Here's a – see if I can get a – Yeah,
0: that's being used now in the conflict there in Ukraine. Okay. Um, You know, I mean – the SVD is uh, you know it deserves uh, it deserves its own niche in a pantheon of weapons guns right Oh
1: absolutely yeah it's got its own place in history
0: and uh, it still continues to be the main uh, infantry sniper rifle and whoever uh, says it's designated marksman rifle I will curse their eyes <laughs> And
1: uh, um, now you got a little trigger time. Uh, with I the, do have yeah, extensive
0: trigger time behind it. I own two. I own uh, the full-length one and the SVDS, the folding one, and uh, continue to shoot well. And uh, I would like to say, you no, know, I mean, if I was not humble, guy, <laughs> I would say it's all me, but uh, let's say the gun is just capable of uh, really, really good,
2: Performance,
1: Yeah. And, you know, another gun that deserves its own book. Definitely. We could do a whole other show on the SVD. (laughs) We we, we, we can. We probably should uh, at some point in time. But um, let's let's bring it back. Reel it in a little bit. And we had touched on RPKs a little bit. And I wanted to talk a little more about the evolution of, you know, for the AK into the uh, the RPK. Uh, Can you touch it? Because you do talk talk about that in your book, too.
0: Yes, I do. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so go back to the development of AK, right? So uh, I told you that Russians build everything for purpose. They don't build, oh, uh, you know, there's been 30 years of peace. Let me build a gun just because I want to do something different. Right. No, I mean, when when intermediate cartridge was introduced, uh, and Russians wanted to build a, a, what they call a shooting complex, right? So they wanted an automatic rifle, a carbine, and a light machine gun. And they did just that. So there was AK-47, SKS-45, and there was an RPD, Dektarov, the Belfin 762 by 39 chambered okay. machine gun. And uh, out of the three, the SKS, though, exceptional rifle, right? Exceptional gun. Uh, and anybody who owns it and shoots it on a regular basis can tell you this. It's, it's a great shooting gun.
1: The
0: SKS? SKS, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, ev- everyone who collects guns should have one. But it was dead on the rival. I mean, it was stillborn. <laughs> Because in 1945, when they adopted the idea was, they have a carbine to um, arm like anti-aircraft guys, right? Not the infantry units, but those guys that man the cannons, the rockets, whatever. Anti-aircraft guys, uh, some support troops, and things like that, and uh, well. Because they traditionally were armed with a shorter, more the gun carbines like M38s and M44s, except AK was smaller and lighter, and more wieldable and carried more uh, ammo, and it was easy to uh, field, field uh, reload. Yeah, maybe it was not as accurate as uh, as as SKS, and you know one can argue that. However, was the accuracy was so marginal, the the difference so marginal that the
1: the pros outweighed the cons,
0: right? But the thickness of fire of fire that we talked about earlier, how many rounds you can put on target, it had unbelievable advantage versus the SKS, and so my father serving in the Sakhalin Island in the fifties, in the anti aircraft Missile battery. Originally, they were armed with the M44s, and he hated that freaking gun with passion, and he carried that hatred through the whole life. But he loved, absolutely loved SKS. Mm. I mean, every time he would come and visit, I'll take him shooting, and he would, he would not let it go. He would, he would let him, you know, let him take it up to his room, and he'll sleep with it. <laughs> I mean, he constantly would refer to it. That's a machine. That's a machine. You know? And, uh, um, uh, no, though, deservingly so. He's solidly built gun, reliable and everything. But it just, doctrine changed. And no carbines needed anymore because the AK took, uh, took care of that. Now, okay. Now that leaves us with the AK 47 and RPD, right?
1: You know, I was gonna say on the SKS when you're you know talking about the SKS or when we were talking about uh is it Fedorov? Is that his name? Simonov. No, no, the, the guy who the, designed SKS? the very first um, automatic rifle. Oh yeah, yeah. Fedorov,
0: yeah.
1: <clears throat> the the SKS reminds me a little bit of of that design.
0: Oh, because he took he mentored a Simenov the the of
1: there you go that makes sense yeah
0: he mentored yeah so they kind of borrowed the design from each other I mean you look at the uh the Tokarev design right Mm mhm and uh, you look at the SKS design and it's very Very similar similar yeah yeah the same with the the you know tilting uh, tilting uh bolt locking and all that stuff Kind of shorter, smaller uh, bolt carrier, so and so, the opening from the back of the receiver, and things like that. So y- right. y- you know, you would uh, you would definitely recognize some of the features of Tokarev rifle in the SV- uh, SKS, yeah, for sure. And as a matter of fact, <laughs> the stock of the SKS is a ex- stock just from like the neck and to the butt plate
2: mm-hmm.
0: is exact copy of. Uh, Tokarev, so if you ever break your Tokarev stock (laughs) You can splice the SKS stock right into it.
1: There you go. Nice little tip. I like that
0: and uh, uh, Anyway, so it was dead on arrival. RPD was still a viable gun uh, Really good. But then again, they go into uh, infantry squad uh, Armament And they have like all these AKs amongst, let's say, uh, nine guys, uh, eight guys, and then they have one guy with this weird one off machine gun. Mm -hmm. And again, it was a complicated machine gun. And it was unnecessarily complicated machine gun. So uh, Kalashnikov came up with his design, which had the, you know, thicker receiver, you know, beefier chunyan a longer and heavier barrel, and uh, the bipod, which was, by the way, light bipod, just stamped, uh, and a build in a larger magazine, uh, an ability to accept the regular AK magazines, which is an interchangeability you know within yeah. the infantry squad is priceless. So he came up with an RPK design, and decision to replace RPD with RPK was... Almost like no-brainer. The only uh, requirement was like, yeah, but RPD has got the 100-round belt in it, you know, 250-round sections and a big old drum. Okay, so they went back and they designed the 72-round drum.
1: <laughs> so here you go.
0: But it, which not really... Kind of took off. It, 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 they made bunch of them. They used a bunch of them, but they mm. preferred to use the forty rounder magazines because they're easier to carry and they're easier to change in and out. Know,
1: load, yeah, Yeah. <clears throat> quicker load time. So
0: that's pretty much it. But uh, the true potential of RPK, of course, was op- was uh, opened once they or reached, I guess, once they uh, switched to five oh five round.
2: Yeah.
1: Turn it into the RPK seventy four.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, and they're still using those
0: today to to the fullest. To the fullest. And of yeah. course, my God, I mean, this guy's like, and I had I've written about it actually uh, that RPK is shit. You know, you got to carry if you're going to carry machine gun, you got to carry PKM. I mean, nobody takes away from greatness of PKM machine gun. I think everybody should have at least two <laughs> you know, in, in their household. Yeah, if you can get in them. But like in true infantry kind of operation and stuff, when you, uh, first of all, RPK is used as an AK, as a rifle. It's easy to wield, it's easy to carry, it weighs less. Uh, it takes the same magazines and stuff, so you don't have to be loaded with the uh, freaking uh, the boxes upon boxes of PKM belts and stuff when you're honking it up to a mountain and stuff. Yeah. Yes, PK, uh, RP, uh, PKM's effectiveness of PKM fires, is undoubtable, you know, unquestionable. You just freaking just go and, and you can pick the positions apart. RPK less you know, less effective that way. However, it's still a great gun for reaching and touching someone and applying precise pressure, precise fire where you need it at precise time. And if it runs out of ammunition, anyone can give it, you know, can share the ammo
1: Oh, a mag. Yeah, the toss them a mag and they're ready to go. They're back in action. Right.
0: So when they say, oh, the Spetsnaz in Afghanistan would we'll drop their RPKs and pick up PKMs. I love that freaking argument. <laughs> I love the argument when somebody says, during World War II, the Russian soldiers didn't, and they hated SVT. They would just drop it and pick up uh, uh, Mosin again. And I was like, Okay, well, you obviously never served in the Soviet military, <laughs> and you, you don't know that your military ID have a number of the gun that you were issued. And if you freaking drop it, right, you, you, you are in the world of shit. You'll be freaking... Better hope you're shot on Soviet the battlefield. You, ...anything less than execution.
1: Yeah.
0: And in the battlefield, maybe an execution. You can, it's... You can't freaking drop a gun and pick up another one. And that would be stupid if you had an SVT. And if you were an SVT and SVT, no knowing what you know now, I and mean, I don't know how many listeners own the Tokarev, there's nothing complicated about it. It's a modern rifle. It's the same as anything you pick up right now. Yeah. And if you were issued this gun, you'd be pressed to learn everything about it. And the SVT-40 is a capable gun and nobody ever dropped it in the favor of the of, uh, 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 most in the gun. gun. Yeah. So was arg- arg- yeah, Russian average recruit was fucking dumb, stupid. Only knew how to, like, you know, make love to a pig. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, um. you know, I mean, 1930s, industrialization in soviet union they built canals railroads bigger than the us ever seen yeah right? every fucking village had a tractor or 2 or 3 every the uh, movement of dsof movement is like a society of uh, volunteer helpers to army and the navy was widespread where they learned Everything from jumping out of planes to freaking shooting to doing to do medical stuff, whatever, and then uh the, of course, there was Barashilov rifleman movement, which was my mom was one of them by the way, oh yeah, yeah, so it was something to do for young people to go and learn shooting and compete, and they didn't shoot in twenty twos yeah they shot a freaking big guns, so no average recruit like I'm. Um, my grandfather was a recruit. Ran the technical station in his country, uh, the his town, yeah, or village, whatever. And so, no. When somebody says that average Russian uh, recruit was a dumb one, he couldn't possibly uh, <clears throat> comprehend the SVT rifle. And just fucking laughing. The, well,
1: they're, you know, the, they're the basing it news. on it being a cons- conscripted army and, yeah.
0: You know. Well, it wasn't conscripted, conscripted <clears throat> but I'm just saying the, the stock of it, the main stock of it. And, and and let's say you take the dumb guy that that in fact was, you know, holding, the, spending his days as my, uh, you know, holding a cow tail or something or whatever. There's nothing... Nothing hard to comprehend. Within a week, he'll, have, he'll be a specialist freaking SVT gunner.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: You know what I'm saying? So, you know, all these arguments and stuff is all bullshit. But Just people in, in who any like any to hear case, themselves
1: spout. That's all that is.
0: Right. In any case, so um, the RPK. So all those people, the same people would say, oh, he will drop the freaking RPK. You know, Spetsnaz in Afghanistan, will drop to... I tell you what, I had two officers in my group, two officers, not even, uh, you know, NCOs or enlisted or whatever. Two officers, like a senior lieutenant and captain that carried freaking RPKs with them on every mission.
2: And used them with
0: the freaking precision. And uh, so anyone that says, oh, RPK is some kind of inferior weapon, again, I curse their eyes because I know <laughs> what I'm talking about. This now is you know how Marco K-
1: feels about the RPK, ladies and gentlemen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then, then there's some people, like even nowadays, like in Chechnya and stuff, they would remove the bipod, right? Because sometimes it's cumbersome. Yeah. They'll remove it and then just have it like a, a weird looking and long barrel look, uh, AK.
2: Yeah.
1: So let's let's, but, let's do that. I want to get to listener questions, um, and I mean we didn't even touch on ninety five percent of the book there. Uh, just quickly <laughs> go through uh, that what you remember, and just uh, you know what what you're covering in the rest of the book here. I mean there, there's there's a ton of information here. I mean the bullpup. I wanted to talk about bullpups today. <laughs> <laughs> I love bull pups, and I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about this today too, but I don't think we're going to have time.
0: Uh, what you have is a Groza complex. Is it what? Is a Groza? Uh, Groza is like a nickname for this, like a thunder. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, the,
1: the Groza. Yeah, Thunderstorm. The right.
0: And uh, it really didn't materialize past a few functioning uh, 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 samples that. Uh, you know, one of them was a 9 by 39 as a for the would use with the suppressor and, and eventually one was built in the 762 by 39 but it really never materialized I, me as a as a little military guy and I, I hope I don't upset anyone by saying this I think the bulk pop is uh, is a useless a piece of equipment <laughs> and waste of human plasma
1: The novelty and yeah, I go- do
0: and I explained that, and I know there's people that own Tabor's, there's people who are big fans of like a AUG, Steyr AUG, and they say, oh, the, the Austrian military, or an Australian military, which, you know, people confuse where the kangaroos are. The kangaroos? In <laughs> Australia. I kid you not, in Vienna airport, in the, in the kiosk there, when they were selling... Uh, t-shirts and stuff and i saw a t-shirt that says there are no kangaroos in, uh, in austria <laughs> but uh, anyway that's the only two countries that I carry pops right now okay and neither one of them won any wars there you or go were major uh what would you say major combat conflicts
1: I um. So I, mean, I I'm had a guest on a bunch
0: of people to Vietnam but uh, I lost about 4500 them there but they were all armed with the British L whatever the FN FAL version of British gun L I don't remember the yeah, name of it I don't, I don't know. but you know what I'm talking about Yeah So anyway but I
1: like I like the bullpup I like the the idea it's more of a novelty like you said but I do I do like bullpups. So I had this guest on a few episodes back, Neil, the combat ac- accountant. Um, and he's been going over to Ukraine and training some of the troops and assisting. And he ran across this this bull, I'm gonna show it to you here. He ran across this bullpup while he was there.
0: Yeah, it's the warrant license copy. That for, one right for there. For something. You see it? Right. No, I don't. It's black screen right now, but I know it's oh, talking you're, about are
1: Oh, you're seeing a blank screen? I was trying to share my screen with you. Um, All right,
0: so here here's... Need a AK-74
1: green. Bullpup.
0: Bullpup? Yeah. AK-74 Bullpup?
1: AK-74 Bullpup. I wish you could see my screen. Yeah,
0: so, somebody did it in their garage, I guarantee you. <laughs> I mean, the, the attempts were made to make like a viable weapon out of uh, Bullpups. Uh, Brits did it. With their L, what is it? L eighty two A one or some yeah. shit like that, and that's the worst fucking. Did you get my screen back? You ever heard? Is my screen oh, back now? It. So, <clears throat>
1: is the screen back now?
0: Just me and you. I see the usual screen. Okay. So, here's my thought on it. So, the bull pop, right? Where most of the weight of the gun. Is beyond uh, the pistol grip, which is your major uh, control hand that actually responsible for fire, right? And then you and then you attach a thirty round magazine to it, right? And then you got extended elbow, which is not desirable as you extend your elbow, right? Yeah. And all that weight right here. And although you might have a front grip, too, some some way, so you're balancing all this stuff right here. And you, you know, you do your Michigan marching band steps towards the target, and you're punching holes, right? But then you come on the mortar fire, right? And you have to make yourself small, right? And you have to lay down prone. Mm -hmm. And then you have to actually commence firing the gun because... Enemy infantry is advancing. How do you freaking replace and reload a magazine? I get it.
1: It's not practical. Not and practical. And then
0: you say, well, I'm kind of slim guy and whatever. <laughs> then you, you start making
1: excuses it. that are do bullshit it. and trying it, to justify you it. can do it. <laughs> but then you
0: put your freaking chest rig on, and underneath it you got your plate carrier and all kinds of, and there's your uh, backpack, straps, shit here. And, I get but, it. AMX we get it. it. We get it. Uh, you made your point. You made your point. <laughs> we get it. So, as as an infantry fighting uh, weapon, bull pops uh-uh. layout and configuration does not have a yeah. right to exist, in my opinion. But I was wrong before, and I don't ever claim that I am the final, uh, you know,
1: well source of. I mean, it's just completely true. It's just. Uh... Practicality and common sense on that one, as far as right. a combat rifle, definitely. With, right. I mean, all you gotta do is say the prone position, and that just negates a bullpup exactly. right there. I always,
0: start, I do that just prone, prone position,
1: also. and just boom. But I still like them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, would I would I grab a bullpup? You know, if the shit was hitting the fan, if it was the only thing around, yeah, I would. But otherwise, I'm going to be grabbing some of those.
0: Yeah. So and another thing is yeah. like, like that. The AK pop that you showed that I covered in the book, that Groza.
1: Yeah, the Groza.
0: It was was done more like for terrorist, anti-terrorist application for, uh, you know, like Alpha Group or any of those uh, internal ministry troops. Yeah, it
1: was more of on the move. It's more like a police. CQB, not not prone shit. It wasn't designed for that. I get that. I get it. I get it. So other chapters of, of significance um, that uh, that we might want to touch on before we get into listener questions.
0: Yeah. Um, the progr- it's not a particular uh, chapter. It's more like a line that I laid through the whole book. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't just like a complete triumph of Kalashnikov who uh, just created this God... And then at will, decided to change it to AKM. And then at will, he decided to change it to 74. And then at will, he died, blah, 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 and all that stuff. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, I mean, humans, uh, by nature, are lazy people. <laughs> I mean, lazy creatures. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, since he was already recognizing this and this, he probably wouldn't initiate any kind of change. Like his argument with that six degree stocking uh, and angle. However, he was constantly under attack. <laughs> so there was always like new ambitious and young designer says, I have a better gun. And, you know, given the credit to the Soviet military brass. They said, oh, okay, let's look at it. Let's compare it. And obviously Kalashnikov gets involved and and uh, they, you know, through testing and everything, they'll say, you know, I mean, this guy has something. <coughs> and he has something. So Kalashnikov would be forced into changing things. Right. So, however, his solution to newly introduced problem potential was better or maybe worse, but only marginally, which would not require to retooling the whole freaking plant and uh, rewriting all the billions of dollars
1: in changes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So he he was constantly under attack several uh, Several. And things. I'm
1: sure he, you know. Again, it's it's the government, and they're going to do what they want to do, and they're like, "Hey, if we're going to do this. If we'd like you, you know, keep your name associated with it, kind of <coughs> deal." So, yeah, he's kind of.
0: Yeah, I mean, just the conversation with him on uh, seven six two versus five You know, he is he was of a thought that. 762 by 39 was not fully developed to its full potential and he was pushing towards doing that instead of adopting this new 545 cartridge but at the same time he was telling me how great of a AKSU gun was <laughs> and how, and and how they uh yeah, my thing is about to die, although I have it still plugged in. Plug it in. I have it, but it's not charging because it's the one this iPhone charges. Anyway, and um, he uh, was like, it's great. And we tested on the year old uh, uh, hogs and stuff at 360 meters and got to see the devastation, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, I guess he was a man of many facets.
1: Facets. Yeah. So, let's do this. Before we get into the list of questions, I want to hear about the dinner. How how did you get a meeting with Mikhail Kalashnikov? And this was, what year was this? 2001?
0: 2001. It was happening on September 11th, which we learned about as the dinner was over and the driver was listening to, uh, which was weird, Russian radio oh, that was wow. switching between ABC and NBC, switching between uh, things, and then we couldn't believe it. We went to uh, our hotel and turned on the TV, and we watched how towers
1: collapsed. Oh, wow. So you were in Russia when 9-11
0: happened. Yeah, and you remember it was ground stuff, right? Uh, yes. Zero. Uh, so they stop all the planes and shit. You got to see the next day we spend on the phone, spend all kinds of time trying to uh, see if we can get uh, some kind of flight to maybe uh, England somewhere or Sweden or something, and then take some kind of boat across or (laughs) (laughs) try to get back. Whatever, But it just so happens that my Delta flight that I originally uh, booked was the first one out, so I was good. Oh, wow. uh, Lucky. Um uh, Mark Krebs and David Furian, who were with me were um they were flying an airflot and they had to rebook. But we basically left Moscow at about the same time.
1: Wow about three days later. That yeah. in and of itself is a story.
0: It is, it is. But um
1: So were you at his house when when you heard the news? We house? were
0: we were already leaving. We're done with the dinner. We said our goodbyes, and the factory provided this minivan for us. So we loaded up, and uh, uh, the driver says, "Hey, uh, there like a planes hit the towers. Oh wow, skyscrapers." And since I lived in New York, and this occasional suicide guy would run his uh, Cessna into total yeah, building, tunnel jumper. Europe, I, I mean in New York, and I was like, ah, eh, some that's it what i thought door.
1: when i first heard it that's what i thought too i was i was on my way into work i was driving in nashville traffic and listening to the bob and tom show i remember this i don't know if you ever heard of the bob and tom show but it's like a morning comedy hour deal and uh they have
0: them everywhere i guess and yeah it's like in new york was howard stern and then yeah something baba and something in alabama yeah yeah well,
1: it was a nationally syndicated one so anyway they were making the announcement on there like, yeah, we got reports that a plane has hit one of the towers and, or a building at the time is like a plane's crashed into a building in New York. You know, they didn't have the specifics yet. And that's what was running through my mind. Um, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, somebody's had a, you know, malfunction or ran out of gas or, you know, whatever. And accident kind of deal. Cause you hear about them mm-hmm. happening occasionally, but never in New York nor New York city, but, right and then as the story grew and more and more you get like and then everybody's on edge like are we under attack and
0: uh, yeah i you know i mean you can't imagine what uh, but being out of country when
1: this is happening you know i can't especially being in russia where this is going on so
0: i mean the the reception we got the next day when we met in the uh, uh office it was somber they all Relayed their condolences. They even uh, did a minute, a moment of silence. Uh, when we got to Moscow from Užetsk, uh we wanted to get to the embassy. And the embassy was literally swimming in the oceans of flowers, and people were leaving their pictures of themselves in front of that, you know, from their visit to New York. Yeah. And one, um, one interesting moment happened. It's kind of like uh, the uh, Russian officer. I think he was like a lieutenant colonel. Came up in his uniform and and he took his cap, garrison cap, on. And he stood there with the head down and he put the cap on. Then saluted and turned and left. I mean, that was kind wow. of like overwhelming uh, show of support when that happened. Yeah, it was unbelievable. But in any case,
2: so.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, fortunate that that didn't happen before. So you actually got to go through your meeting with Mikhail. And yeah. so, how did you get this set up? How did this all come about? How were you able to get a meeting um, with him?
0: So, I had my connections in there in the factory, uh, like in the periphery of a factory. And um, David suggested, David Forty has suggested that, or he basically told me if that he wants to go there. And uh, and then uh, Mark Krebs, uh, who he was friends with at the time, also wanted to go to Russia, and uh, would love to go to Izhevsk. So I organized that part. And however, as we were organizing it, uh, my contact was friends with the personal photographer of Kalashnikov, And that dude uh, Saw so some kind of potential in writer, the gunsmith and some budger uh, coming over there, <laughs> trying to sell his pictures. I'm thinking, you know, things that were not published at the time. Right. And so he, uh, through my contact, organized. Well, not only that, he organized the meeting with Kalashnikov. He also and, and you know when somebody is trying to get to and stuff, it's the town that factory is basically everybody knows everybody, and a factory kind of found out that American delegation, <laughs> delegation,
1: delegation,
0: us say it loosely, you <laughs> right, coming to the thing, and then they kind of took over organization for uh, the actual official visit to the factory. And demonstration of uh, we fired the bison, AN94, uh, Nikonov Abakan gun that was supposed to replace AK. You know, that's recoilless gun.
1: Uh huh. How'd that go?
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, this. I mean, you fire two rounds, and it feels like a one round fired. But then it switches normal. But when they mm-hmm. opened it up, lower and upper receiver, I looked at it and I said, this this freaking thing will never, ever replace AK. <laughs> it was full of freaking pulleys and cables <laughs> and other shit. I a mean, little like a Swiss watch. <laughs> it was, you know. But in any case, and then the SV-98, which is the, the sniper rifle that they're using now. Yeah. So th- now That's uh, Mark, all
1: stuff that they were making at that factory? Is that what it was?
0: Yeah, the Ismarsh. Yeah, yeah the Ismarsh yeah and so anyway and uh, so we all of a sudden we just wanted to just meet them for like a picture opportunity right just shake hands yeah and then uh the media man pulls out pull, pulls to our hotel and says we're gonna go meet kalashnikov and i was like oh cool all right and i had like a i'm a member of well, I don't know if the organization still exists, but at the time it was like Colossic Collectors Association. Okay, cool. But John Conan, he sent me the letter to present it to him. And then um, somebody else gave me a K-bar knife, like some uh, anniversary version of it. To pre- and he called uh, of collected Knives. Oh, okay. So to Interesting. Um, give it to him and stuff like that. So I, I literally, my expectations were 10, 15 minutes. Here's the gifts. Appreciate the stuff. Your rifle. You know, it saved my life. Blah blah blah. Uh, You know. You know. Shake hands. Can we take a picture? Type of deal.
1: Pat on the back. See you later.
0: Right. But then we get in the van and we're going to like at the outskirts and we're going like uh where we going? Oh, we're going to go to his summer home. And I was like, what? Yeah, for dinner. (laughs) And I was like, we didn't bring anything like, you know, we didn't buy the dinner. We were going to host him, right? Oh, I mean, natural reaction. He says, no, no, everything is, don't worry about it. And here we walk in and here he is. Oh, my gosh. Gigantic size of five, five, maybe five, six, the most (laughs) in the the house shoes, you know, Uh, and the
1: so you like Hugh Hefner, do, do you have his smoking jacket on?
0: <laughs> no, no, he
1: had that uh,
0: like a members-only type of thing, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, unbelievable. He was very receptive, very kind, uh, all listened to us. And, and then when we sat down for dinner, and it's his girlfriend that was cooking the dinner. who's was much early. younger than him. Yeah. Not like, not.
1: Summerhouse.
0: Yeah, not what he like in her maybe 50s yeah and uh uh or maybe 60s even i don't know but delicious food and of course the vodka came out and that was kalashnikov vodka and uh you know and then uh, we set the table we talked and he told us all the stories he uh everything that you heard on tv was actually said to us face to face you know how he was at the you know railroad depot and these women helped them to do this and this, all of that, and uh, and then of course we had our questions about some things and and uh, you know the usual shit. And, no uh, no no, what really usual to, shit?
1: Don't skip the mundane. That's the fun stuff. Don't not skip. The... No, I
0: mean you know we were talking about how <laughs> you know about the difference between AKs and you know AKMs and seventy fours. Yeah. Um. You know, we touched the stock thing. <laughs> yeah, you punched the nerve so,
1: there, didn't you? you... <laughs>
0: not, not really. I mean, you know, we just—I was, you know, first of all, who am I to argue? Now, were you,
1: were you speaking Russian or were you speaking uh, English?
0: Well, I okay, uh, I spoke Russian obviously to him, and uh, I translated for Mark and and for David.
1: Okay. Okay, so
0: he, he David had more questions than anybody.
1: I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, so, what's what's something during your meeting with him that you found out that you were like, oh, I never knew that, or just really caught you off guard, kind of deal?
0: Uh, nothing of his background, or history that I didn't know and oh samsung revelation came or he was already removed so far from uh, development of further development of the guns that that probably wasn't a level at that point <laughs> with him as far as knowing the gun and how it operates and all that but what was really surprising in how open and how receptive he was to us being there and Having just conversations, you know, about families, some th- some things, and about where you're from, and you know that kind of stuff. And I mean, he asked, and just basic conversation like you would have with friendly person sitting right next to you while you, you know, sh- trying to shove delicious food into your cake <laughs> hole. <laughs> what kind of but, food did um, you have? You no, know, I'm just that how. Human, I guess he was, or yeah, just, that was the big. You know, he's not just a national, uh nationally known,
1: world, big, world known, yeah, world
0: known, world around. I mean, if I pull just about, he's yeah, one of the
1: most famous.
0: 60 percent of Americans would probably know who he is, or know VK and stuff. You tell him I met Kalasnikov, they say who. He said the guy that invented the AK. Oh, really? Oh, that yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. So, and um, you know, so, so he's that real humble, real humble kind of guy.
1: No, no cares about him.
0: No, nothing. And you know, I mean, he was a lieutenant general at the time. Uh, hero Soviet Union and hero Socialist Labor, whatever, like double, like equivalent of. Congressional Medal of Honor, and the and then the Presidential Medal of Freedom, you know, both. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so he was all that, and me being, you know, I was in the military, old guy, so I realize I'm talking to a gen- So this is something in the back of my mind, you know, talking to a general here. But uh, more so, you know, just a normal
1: wow man i mean that's just gotta be to be in the presence of an icon like that and and especially not expecting it like you got i mean you're just completely caught off guard like oh shit we're gonna sit down to dinner with this guy we're going to his house holy cow i mean that just had to been petrified
0: yeah and then i mean it's his household who cooked the dinner for us yeah that was that was even more surprising and the thing is like i think we you know we kind of elevate our icons, you know, the people who are peons, you know, then, uh, and, uh, when we meet, uh, uh, kind of, you know, famous person, like I met Michael Spinks, for example. You Spinks. Remember, <laughs> the boxer. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I thought like, he was, you know, still boxing, like he couldn't put two words together. Right? Oh, he punched Like drop. he always, his interviews were like, Turns out he is a freaking scholar. Oh really? And I spent two and a half hours with him just talking. You know, just talk I, I took him to a Crown Room, Delta Crown Room as my guest, uh at the airport. And and we talked for two and a half hours, just but the life in Interesting. general kind
2: Yeah.
0: You know, touched on some of the boxes. He's like his analysis was like spot on and he was very eloquent the way he spoke and it just, I really enjoy. I
1: wouldn't have thought that. that yeah, I just figured he was some. So we often dude.
0: maybe mistake uh, that fame and stardom in some of the people, and but in, in reality, they just people, just just humble, kind. Yeah. People. So how much so vodka? That, that was a surprise. How
1: much vodka did you drink?
0: So there was, uh, let's see, him, me, David. Mark is not a heavy drinker, and uh, that major guy was, was still wearing uniform. Yeah. And I think we put away about two and a half bottles.
1: Okay, well, that's not that's not
0: a whole lot. That's not bad.
1: That's
0: not the night before. The night before, The night before, <laughs> the <laughs> night before it's a totally, it's entirely different book in <laughs> Moscow. I mean, uh, let's put this way: I had to use my sambo. <laughs> that night but uh um anyway, you, you, but yeah so you saw
1: the nightlife of moscow
0: huh yeah. oh my god it was yeah and yet somehow it was like normal so, somehow it was perceived as a normal thing
2: yeah
0: <laughs> it's just another people,
1: night out of the town some
0: people went to hospitals. some people were just <laughs> unconscious and it was just you might need to tell and me that story the off of it Was our another friend of mine who was a head of a quick reaction force in Moscow? Had 16 trips to Chechnya, and his height was like seven foot tall. Holy
2: crap! And
0: probably like a 300 pounds old muscle. And his nickname was Big Ivan. Eventually became inspector general for uh, internal ministry of internal affairs, you know, cops, police, right? And uh, uh, lieutenant lieutenant uh lieutenant general was his rank
2: wow
1: and he was hanging oh. out with you guys
0: oh yeah at the time he was a colonel
1: oh you guys were <laughs> untouchable
0: <laughs> oh man. Were, well, some people tried to touch us some people tried but then yeah that guy i seen him hit a person <laughs> and it was i did mean, uh, oh
3: just, my gosh
1: but anyway, was, all right. So yeah, back to lovely. back to the dinner. Is there anything, um, you know, after? Because again, I have a guarantee. I mean, you're just like you're kind of, you know, you probably like this. Got your blinders on, deer in a headlight. Something that you wanted to ask him, or you're like, damn it, I wish I would have asked him this.
0: Not really. I mean, like I said, we were prepared to go and do shake hands, yeah, and you know, take pictures and say, oh, you know, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Yeah, and then leave we didn't really expect to spend like three or more. That's what I mean.
1: It's like, it's just all of a sudden you've got this opportunity. There is
0: one. There is one. I I knew knew it. (laughs) I knew it. So, you know, I mean, when you invent something, that's your baby, right? And Key's invention story doesn't start with the gun. It starts with some tachometer for, uh, for a tank. Hmm. But before we go, we're already outside. And he has like a like a off a bed porch you come down and he's got like a little orchard and slash garden. Small. And then he's got some uh, like sheds built up, like nice nice sheds on yeah. the side of them towards the back. And he goes, Wait, wait, wait <laughs> So like, okay. And he goes to a shed and he he brings out a lawnmower that he invented, <laughs> which was, which was like a, it's almost like a a cultivator or tiller yeah. handles, then one big motor on the top, and uh, and uh, some kind of like a string type of like a weed whacker type of arrangement. Says, yeah, I built this. I came up with this. I built it still works. So he demonstrated that thing. So he
1: mowed his yard while you were there?
0: <laughs> and that was like totally unexpected. And, and yet, totally Colossicoff, you know. Tell me you my, got you a know.
1: picture of that.
0: No, uh, I don't. Oh. <laughs> at, that time, at that time, we were like just dumbfounded. You're <laughs> like, it is he
1: really just showing us this weed whacker? <laughs>
0: and right, and that's not like it's not like nicely done and painted or anything. It's still like a working working prototype yeah <laughs> knowing that there's like a, the more modern shit available oh yeah the tons better. he is with this thing that he built in the 70s or something he but probably, yeah that that was a that he was probably good. has people
1: that Not does expensive. his yard work so. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah that oh, was pretty cool that's funny
1: all right, if anything else comes to mind while we're doing this, uh, feel free to interject. But let's get to our lister questions. We've got some giveaways, Marco, that we want to do. Uh, All right. Sponsors of the show, Mission First Tactical, have come out with uh, their new belly band holster. And it was released at SHOT Show this year. And we, we talked about it, had them on the show, uh, talking about the breathable material uh, the extraordinary space, so you've got room for your your gun, extra mags, knives, flashlights, and it's got these nice administrative pockets uh, that you can zip and unzip on both sides. So you can put your your skull in there if you want to. You could put you know a little money. You can put
0: your weed in it.
1: You put your weed, yeah. your gummies <laughs> <laughs> Remember
0: that from Rob Schneider from Saturday Night Live yes, <laughs> <laughs> years back.
1: So the but Mission anyway, First Tactical is- Belly Band, uh, we're going to give away one of these to uh, one of our participants. And then
0: you're got to make a little disclaimer: the gun does not come with it, or any of those accessories.
1: Oh no, none of the, none of the none of my stuff comes with that. It's <laughs> it's for your your stuff to put in there. And then our good friends and sponsors of the show Seal One, we're going to give away one of their awesome uh, gun cleaning. Uh, kits. It's actually going to probably be this one that we give away the bigger one. That's got all their cleaning uh, products in there. Great uh, to prevent corrosion of your firearms, your knives, uh, anything. You could put it on just about anything and it it works great. And it's uh, it's bio-friendly also, so you don't have to worry about growing a third ear or anything uh, by using this stuff. Completely safe. And it smells good, too, Marco, by the way. I like dabbing a little bit on before I go out on my tender dates.
0: <laughs> and here I was using gun oil. Damn it, that's why I could never... You're using ballast weren't you? Ballast Or when I worked at the railroad. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there you that go. That would scare him.
1: <laughs> Use that grease. All right, let's go to Instagram. Let's go to the post. I'm trying to get there. I got too many things open here. There we go. So, we'll start off with, at the time of this recording, I'm seeing we've got about 19 or so. And it was a late post. I apologize for for posting this up late, guys. I usually give you a little more time. Nikolai Abplanap. He's a big fan of the AK Corner. Big fan of yours, too. Uh, He says, just saying it's one of my favorite books I have on my shelf and being a signed copy from Marco makes it next level cool
0: Wow <laughs> thank you look at, he got thank a signed copy how do you get a signed
1: it. copy Marco
0: I guess you can uh, you can always maybe through you contact uh, through aK corner and uh, you know arrange for a book to be sent to me and then I'll uh, I'll send it back to you sign really? it the only thing uh, um, if I sign that book, right, it loses its value because <laughs> when you try to resell it, and they look at it and you, see my signature, and say some idiot went and ruined uh, it, I'm and gonna, then it's worth nothing. I'm going to send <laughs> you any, my copy. Anytime you want to send it to me, I'll uh, I'll be happy to sign it and send it back.
1: Okay, I'm going to send you my copy. Are you going to be at uh, NRA? Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to bring my copy to to NRA. I'm going to be. Uh, we are going to be, Talking Lab is going to be set up at kel booths. So for those attending oh, okay. NRA, we'll have the studio set up. Come by and see us. And Marco, Absolutely. I expect to see we'll you there.
0: Do, we'll make point of doing it. And if any of the listeners are listening and, uh, and you do have a copy and you're going to go to Indianapolis for uh, NRA, I'll be happy to sign it. Why don't stuff. we do I'll this? just circling around.
1: Why don't we do yeah. this, Marco? Why don't we set a day and time? That you're gonna be there and you will sign people's uh, book. You'll do autograph signings. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Let's do it. So Marco and I will get together and we'll we'll shoot out the the, the day and time where you can come by the Caltech booth and um, get your book signed by Marco. And maybe he'll have a couple that he'll uh, hand out too. We'll see.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have any. You don't have any more. Uh, no. And, uh, I looked on Amazon and, and they had Carible only. Me- yeah, Caribou Media.
1: They said there's only one left in stock on Amazon as of they today. They
0: always do that for years. They've been doing it. Only three left. Only thirteen Hurry left. Up. And okay. then the next week it goes on sale.
1: Now <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that.
0: Uh, but I did find one on eBay that was a hundred and one starting bid.
1: Wow.
0: So there you go. On to those books.
1: It must be signed. All right, Brett. <laughs> uh, ba- Brett says. What is your opinion of the newer 100 series AKs? Are they improved over the original designs? We kind of talked about the 12s a little
0: bit. Yeah, it's basically uh, so 100 series AKs. It's, it's, uh, I guess I'm going to have to let's see.
4: All
0: right, so we talked about AKM platform versus the AK74 platform, and where is the AKM platform and Arguably, you know, I mean, it's popular, but it's kind of reached its ceiling as far as development is concerned. And AK-74 has not. And if there's any further development, development of AK it's always going to be 74 platform. And the uh, the AK-100 series is basically a multi-caliber uh, 74 platform. Uh, 103 in 762 and one, uh, what was it? 101 in uh, 556. So I'm all for it. Uh, it's the modern version of AK that has a potential to be modified and uh, and modernized and modulized. So yeah, I'm a big fan. I own several, um, uh, you know, uh, full auto machine guns as well as carbines. There you go.
1: Flood munitions Our good buddy Evan. Evan's going to be at uh, NRA2, Leadheads. He's going to be my cameraman again, taking care of us. uh, So be looking for Evan. He says, or he asks, do you consider the AK pattern rifle that fires the 5.56x45 a true AK, or is it just another imposter? I'll be in the market for your book. Well, you better hurry. There's only one left on Amazon.
0: (laughs) So anyway, uh, all uh, kidding aside, no, it's still AK. Like we to- we touched on the subject of uh, you know operating system and mechanisms that deployed. Um, it's like saying uh, is AR the 300 blackout AR or like a 6.5 caliber does not is it still make sure
1: AR the rifle. The yeah, rifle.
0: it's absolutely. Is it just yeah. different caliber? It, it would also be. Uh, in 1974, when they went away from 762 AKMs to AK 74, is it's still AK, yeah, yeah, it is yeah. just different caliber. Uh, and as a matter of fact, it's um, it's not bad. <laughs> the AK and 556, it's not bad. Yeah. It's, you uh, hear that
1: yeah. aura? Uh, that's Nikolai Alplanap, he hates 545. Or not right, five four, but five five six. Sorry, five five six. He hates five five six.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, because he probably knows like few of us that know that five four five is the shit. Yeah, it's the it's the caliber. That's so cool. cool. I don't
1: have a five four five yet. I need to get a five four five. That's it my will next. change
0: your life if you're ready for the change. Then get it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've shot several of. Them. I just haven't found one that I really want to own yet but I do want one so that's going to be like my next that's on my next when I get around to it I'm going to get one uh, Glotru, Marco what is your favorite optic to run on the 762 by 39 AKs
0: <laughs> ok
1: <laughs> and then we'll talk about your
0: 5.45 right so uh, people who's been listening to me and maybe reading uh, stuff would know that I'm a big Big Armored Technology Elcon Specter DR. See that hasn't changed
1: because you said that on our very first episode that we did with you the, El- yes, the Elcon. Yes, yes, and favorite. it
0: still is, and it's. I have them so for all practical purposes, right? Uh, when you're talking about um, using an optics on on a fighting carbine, it, it, just because on dynamic battlefield it changes from zero to let's say. Uh, to maybe a 600 meters, and that flippable uh, ability to flip between one a true one and four uh, is is great, but um, you know, like I said, you know, 400. I mean, legitimate engagement where you can actually hit something lies. You know two or four hundred maybe meters slightly past that, then you would probably want it like more of like a, a sniper type of employee sniper like tactics, per se, yeah. to take something out at those at that distance. And uh, it just so happens that the uh, BDC that's built into the Elcon DR that's actually uh. Has a radical two twenty three. I mean five five six radical lends itself pretty well within you know. And then we're talking a battlefield. One or two inches don't really mean much, you know. You're not shooting into left eye or or right. you know you shouldn't center mass. And, and deviation of one to two inches at the distances of four hundred don't really mean much. So it lends itself really well with five four five. And then their version of seven six two, which obviously refers to seven six two NATO or three oh eight, close to three oh eight, yeah. works really well with the seven six two by thirty nine, to up to about three hundred to four hundred meters. And again, the deviation there, one to two, maybe three inches, if you aiming at the shooting at the center mass or even the the head size target. Yeah. Not not gonna change the outcome. So, you back to your question on my five point five gun, I got Elcon, uh, L- you know, Specter DR with the five five six radical. On my 7, 7, 6, uh, 7, 3, uh, 7.62 gun, I have a DR Specter DR with the uh, radical of seven six two radical very good however Ah, (laughs) there there's uh there's but because everybody knows like and i sound like elitist over here (laughs) which i'm not i just love those things and i'm lucky to possess them but they like what twenty three hundred dollars i think retail just crazy
1: buy once cry once right
0: and uh so there are two other options one is primary arms.
1: I was gonna say, yeah, they've I've got four
0: a fixed four um seven six two by thirty-nine designated. Yeah, they the and then the other one is my personal favorite is Locks TMR one two four AK seven point six two model. That one is one two four, lighted radical. Um, it's uh, a 30-millimeter tube. It has, if you look at it, it has uh, makings of uh, or signage of $1,000 scope. Yeah. But in reality, it's like $300 scope.
2: Oh, and it's
0: cool. it's been tested. I have a copy. I have the first prototype, and I have a production copy uh, version, and both of them good to go. Nice. Awesome. Great glass. Worked great. I also
1: like the uh, LPVO from Primary Arms that they have with the, the ACCS uh, 762 reticle. Mm-hmm. I like that but one too. See, the
0: that, that, uh, Hilux thing, mm-hmm. I actually took part in the design of that reticle. And, and when you look at it and your uh, horizontal, your vintage, windage uh, scale, all the way to the right, that series of crosses. It looks like a almost like uh, three crosses in Golgotha, you right, but uh, it's a series of crosses.
3: And oh, the crosses seven, represent
0: upper part of the cross is the head, uh, the crossbar is the width of the shoulder, and the rest of the cross is the body of an uh, average 5'10 person. At
1: 100? And if
0: you can, yeah, if you can lay over that cross over a human silhouette, it will tell you how far it's a, it's a range finder. Nice.
1: And... Do you get a little cut of every one of those that sold? No,
0: absolutely not. Oh, okay. Uh, well,
1: uh, go buy primary arms then. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Check it out. i going to need to check that
0: one out. The Hilux? Hilux. Okay. Great optics. It's a, it's an older Leatherwood. If anybody knows uh, from uh, way back mm-hmm. in olden days, Leatherwood optics. He was a sniper in Vietnam, and uh, the equipment he was issued, Lederwood, I forgot his first name he asked his father to send him his deer rifle and uh, because the optics that at that time US was issuing was not really good
2: yeah. so he
0: came back from Vietnam and he opened up his own um, optic company in California but few years back and I'm talking about fewer more like 20 something years back uh Decades. Chinese company <laughs> bought, bought bought them out and it's called Hilux Leatherwood and uh, the the person I know mr. Wu personally okay, the president of the company I know his son who's enjoyed Christopher in charge of his uh, marketing and sales and uh, they not typical Chinese company okay the way they operate he is into innovation all the best stuff. He went and acquired German glass and uh, manufacturing uh, machines and stuff. It just you would know. I mean, you would see once I'm you. Gonna, see
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna Google them and, and find them here when we get off. All right, next question, John Adams the third. Oh, and we we I mean we kind of talked about this already. It's just how does the five four five compare ballistically to the seven point six two against donkey caravans? Oh, ha. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, you know, well, it's, more you know, accuracy
1: out of the five four five.
0: Yeah, it's more accuracy and you can th- you can reach out further, but you got to also realize that it's basic physics, right? So transfer of energy. If projectile is weighs more, obviously, it would transfer more energy when it, on the impact, but it just doesn't carry that energy further. So you might, uh, you know, <laughs> you take down a donkey with a and There's no problem. It's been done. Get the obstacle out uh, of the way to shoot the people. But the thing is, you know, you got to also realize that it's not like you're not trying to snipe anyone. When you're firing a short bursts, you know, ta 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 ta. You know, and it's the five four five would carry further and would impact on a large, body like donkey probably. Uh, uh, with more precision and uh,
1: more probability Mustang Perry says I'm going to have to get me a copy of this go to amazon there's only one left first come first <laughs> serve <laughs> and bring it to NRA and we'll uh, we'll get Marcos to come by the Caltech uh, booth and sign it if if Marco would be so inclined
0: absolutely i will do it
1: Ryan, uh, or I'm sorry, Pacific Northwesterner, question for Marco: What is your white whale rifle, and why? Light
0: whale, white
1: whale. I guess like oh, your what? your the, the one you're after. That's hard. It's hard to get. <laughs> there is one.
0: There okay. is one, and um, I'm working on getting it. And most likely, probably within two years, I'll have it. And not only I'll have it. Everybody who wants it will have it. And but I'm working on it. And this is obviously the VSS Winterres Ooh. rifle. And because of my licensing, I can turn it into a real thing. Meaning that you it will start? go ratata. And it will have the internal suppressor on it. Nice. But Yeah. So that's the gun I'm uh, after. Another one. Possibly a Stechkin pistol, but that one has uh, more sentimental value to me than anything else. Which more one? The, the Stechkin APS. Oh, okay. Automatic pistol.
1: Yeah, is that one that you had in service?
0: Yeah, I, had, I carried <clears> it as a personal defense weapon. Anyway, I, had to fi- I never fired it in anger, but uh, you know, was it was. Uh, it was uh, absolute queen at the range everybody (laughs) wanted to shoot it but yeah vss went to rest in nine by 39 i already have a magazine
1: look at there starting at the 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 bottom and working (laughs) your way up
0: with nine by 39 ammo loaded
1: there you go just waiting on it
0: right but before that and that's a success story so i had several white wells going through life i guess acquiring weapons uh Obviously, one was the SVDS, and it took me about four years to acquire that. Then uh, PKM, and I have both in semi-auto and full-auto now, and uh, it was a lot harder to get semi-auto. It took me about six years to get it Ooh. from the time I set on that journey. And uh, the last but not least, and one of my last ones that I – recent ones that I acquired was a UFBIRT and that's the an Alexander Arms three, 3. Lapua precision rifle precision rifle right that is semi-automatic and the recoil is like 308.
1: Nice that'll reach out too won't it?
0: Oh it sure will <laughs>
1: All right. so I hope
0: that answers your question. Oh yeah
1: I started drooling a little bit I don't know if you noticed uh I would like to have all of those. Hey, Marco, this is from Ryan Reisner. I loved your book. It was excellent. Do you consider yourself more of a purist or more of a tactical modern AK guy? Do your boys like the AK as much as you do? I let my son pull the trigger on mine when he was two, and he got a kick out of it and finished out the magazine. Okay.
0: Great question, Ryan. Thank you very much for, um, you know, uh, appreciating the book. Um
1: bring it to NRA, he'll sign it.
0: Yep, <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um it's kind of like a Janus, Not Janus. maybe yin and yang yeah. with the purest and tactical thing. I am both. Can I be both?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I'm am both.
0: both. I, I, I have a collection of just the straight straight up uh guns and then at the same time I have tactical AKs of all kinds. Yeah. So I am, uh, I guess, uh, I'm both. Can I be both?
1: <laughs> I'm both. I don't see why you but can't. I, I swing you know, both but, ways, Marco. Yeah,
0: there you go. That's what I'm, by AK, I guess. I'm by
1: AK. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Chambered Defense, uh, can't wait to listen or watch this one.
0: Oh, f- Okay, hang on, hang on. I forgot the second part of Ryan's question. Oh, I'm sorry. Kid,
1: Do your kids uh, like the, the kids.
0: AK? Yeah, my older son is also my partner in um, you know Type Seven FFL with SOT that we have, and we build machine guns and we train ROTC. And he is probably the biggest, um, gun, <laughs> bigger gun nut than me. So <laughs> you have to you have to look at his. We gotta his, get him look. on the
1: show sometime
0: yeah maybe yeah i would love and, to have him on and of course he's uh he's got uh ak's up to wazoo and he he is more of like uh let's see if i can uh phrase it right he is a purist when it comes down to tactical guns like if he sees that some operator wields it in the battlefield that's what he wants and it goes to for his uh ars and things like that so he wants all the like Navy SEAL oh, yeah. ship that I think they that's carry.
1: Most, most people are that way. Right,
0: mm-hmm. and the same with AKs. And, uh, so he doesn't have any like Type 3, uh, AKM, AKMS, all that stuff. He doesn't have it. But he has all the like 103s, 74Ms, and all that stuff, and they all decked out too. Yeah, And he's a big, he also has uh, AK-104 I guess. Is it the uh, yeah, one hundred and four.
1: The shorty SBR that's all decked out in <clears throat> Zenitco stuff, and yeah, he is purest
0: tactical purist.
1: He's tactical purist, purist. purist. I got you. Right, right. I, I like right. I like both because I do like I do like the original. You know, the pure, just straight AK. Just because I like the looks of them. You know, I just art. Yeah. You know, I just yeah. I, I admire the beauty of a. You know, a good classic AK. But then, again, you know, functionality and use wise, if I'm going to battle with one, I'm I'm gonna tack that shit out. You know?
0: Yeah, it's all about it's all about functionality and also knowing your gun. And what I mean That's by that key. is, like, especially like when people take courses, uh, let's say, uh, you know, like carbine courses, and they show up with a brand new freaking gun. And then uh, you know something falls off of it because he didn't insert it right, uh, or he doesn't do this and doesn't do that. He becomes that guy that slows everybody down. Yeah. So you you gotta train with the gun. With your gun, you gotta know your gun. Uh, any accessory you put on it, you better train with it. So you know how to use it. That kind of stuff. So. Goodness. Anyway, for my two cents.
1: Chamber of Defense says can't wait to listen or watch this one, and you can do both uh because we we record them now we video record the video and post it on YouTube but it's sometime after the podcast so usually about a week later you can get the uh get the video esom 87 marco what are your thoughts on the yugo pattern ak
0: um <clears throat> solid platform uh remember we talked about um when does AK becomes not AK? Um, solid platform and all the older credit for developing that solid platform that Yugo uh, uh, guns are goes to Serbians or Yugoslavians per se. And not necessarily to Soviet Union or Kalashnikov himself because at the time when they when they um when the acquisition of AK happened in Yugoslavia, uh, Yugoslavia and the Soviet Union were not on the speaking terms. Both socialist countries and stuff, and reading from the same manual, but they were not friends. And so Yugoslavia was never a Warsaw Pact country, and therefore Russia never gave them a license. I mean, they stopped it after they gave them SKS license. They never gave them the AK license. Yeah. and how they acquired the AKs was when two Albanians border guards escaped or defected with their guns to Yugoslavia. And when they got the when they got the guns, they looked at it and they immediately sent it to Zastava factory to, you know, research it and see. Try it. to reverse engineer it right but two guns is not enough so they went on and they said we need to get more so the Yugoslavians bought like 2200 guns from some friendly a Soviet friendly country in Africa and then they started their own production and when they started often times when you, when you uh, start looking at the gun and you know it's obviously AK but it's so much different well, you got to look at the capability, manufacturing capabilities of the country at the time of the factory. makes them, and also their cr- creativity. I guess of their creative thought, like maybe, oh, this we should do a di- because that's g- different because it's going to be better. Like, let's do a thicker receiver, or let's go, let's do this yeah. and this.
1: Or they just didn't know how to
0: measure. <laughs> so it, you know, it, it's a solid platform. I don't know. Um, just because the way it's built, obviously it's the accessories are not or parts are non-compatible. Um I don't know if it ever will turn into something that you can like tactical it to a modern standard. But like I said, it's um it's a it's a good solid gun.
1: It is what it is.
0: It is <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. It's a good gun. Maybe it definitely has roots in Kalashnikov, but it's its own, yeah, its own variety, I guess.
1: So apparently, Esam also has your book. He said this is a great read. Anyone who loves the AK needs to read it. Hell, anyone who's just curious about the AK should read it. I I concur, and you better hurry because there's only one left on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> first come, first serve, and bring them to NRA. We'll get Marco to sign them. Uh, Bailey uh, Mueller 80, with the Serbs uh, creating their M17 and a 6.5 Grendel chambering, do you think we'll see AKs chambered in non-traditional rounds uh, more more widespread or will seven sixty five four five 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 six always reign supreme?
0: Okay, so Mullet, right? Uh, that maker Vepers, yeah, actually brought in uh, one of the importers that Dealt with them. They brought in uh, six point five Grendel. They made six point five Grendel yeah. gun at the time. Um, somebody's, I think somebody's working on like three hundred blackout, and I'm like, why?
1: Somebody's doing a fifty. <laughs> you can
0: suppress the seven six two by thirty nine, just as good, and you would still have that oomph behind it rather than castrated uh, three hundred blackout round, and. I think people, I mean, there's uh, gunsmiths that play with the platforms and would probably have some other uh, calibers, you know, integrated into AK platform. However, will it have a, a mass distribution or mass following? I seriously doubt it. And the reason for that is because of the availability of a of uh, ammunition and the cost of it,
2: yeah.
0: And I think, and I think the uh, popularity barrels, right? Popularity bev- 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 of uh, of the uh, AK rifles was only partially driven by like appreciation of a platform itself, but it's mainly because of the ammo was so cheap. Yeah. or accessible
1: accessibility of the, the ammunition and...
0: with, with the <laughs> that's going on in ukraine all these sanctions and shit maybe uh, in a few years we'll see that the main uh ak rifle sold would be in 556 or maybe some other yeah. caliber but not uh, not at the moment though
1: but do you think that um, ammo manufacturers are going to try to fill the void of the 760 but 39 and start to manufacturing more of the M sixty three now.
0: They do now, they do now. But I think it's gonna be uh, the bulk of it would be left on uh, Bulgarians, Romanians, and Serbs.
1: We possibly still some
0: Bosnians
1: get it imported. Uh, from.
0: So it's still gonna be imported ammo, yeah. mostly uh, Czech ammo. You know, seller a lot PPU Serbs. Um, the Romanians, and so on and so on. And uh, most likely Turkey will join the fray, but uh, we'll see. But uh, local manufacturers, they do now, but the problem is there will be a cost. I mean, uh, the the reason why PPU is so popular, it's the shittiest ammo you can put in your gun. <laughs> but it, because it's brass case, and everybody thinks like a, they think in the way of a grackle, if it's shiny, then that's gold, you know, <laughs> but it's the, it shoots like a freaking musketon
2: yeah. or
0: blonde bust, you know, and, and, uh, not always even shoots. And, however, the reason why it's popular is because it's 34 cents around. You know, whenever you start getting into past 50, like into like 60 round cents around, 75 cents around, then you put yourself in the, well, then all of a sudden, uh, two twenty-three and five five-six becoming a great option. Yeah, even even now you can get them for about forty cents around something.
1: Still too high.
0: <laughs> Still fucking yeah, too but, high. You know, I mean, the people used to uh, pay a nickel for a burger and the shake, right?
1: Yeah, used to pay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now you uh, ninety-eight like cents a, a gallon beer.
1: for gas. <clears throat> yeah. yeah.
0: All right, B. Hurst
1: great. has several questions here and we've addressed most of them. Uh let's see if he's got one here. Anything we should know about history of the 54 r Any, Anything you want to just touch on about that or
0: but 54R? Yeah, 54R. Uh <laughs> no, nothing but amazement. I mean, think about it. This this cartridge was designed in eighteen ninety one. Hmm. <laughs> And it's still produced and it's still used in such iconic platforms as P- PKM, SVD, SV98, um, the newer version of PKM, PKM, PKMP, you know, the Patching uh machine gun and withstood, with uh, test of time going through numerous wars, right? And Continue to be one of the main 30 caliber, caliber you know, uh, uh, rounds in some of the major militaries. Right, and uh, you know, being awkward, uh, but it just goes to show. You, it's like I, I don't know if you kind of stumble across, you stumble your feet on some rock, and then you look and you see that's a piece of gold. <laughs> Did that happen, or uh, the 19th century? Uh, Ammo designers were that good, but in any case, I mean, you got a variety based on that particular cartridge. You got a caliber. Uh, You got a variety of all the modern loads like uh, armor piercing, incendiary. You know, you name it. Sniper, the high, you know, high accuracy sniper round. I mean, something that is produced in mass, right? And yet it matches the performance of a hand loaded or small batch uh, production uh, ammo. So great ammo. I don't know when it's going to die. But it's. I mean, it's been around uh, for
1: a minute. I don't don't think it's going to die anytime soon. Great.
0: uh, Yeah. And I'm, like I said, I'm enjoying shooting it out of World War II guns. And I enjoy shooting it out of. you know, some with modern guns.
2: Yeah.
1: Boba 1776. I think this is probably going to be our last one here. What is uh, a feature that you would say has had the most impact on the longevity of the AK and what is an underused
0: feature of the AK?
1: Let's, let's do that one. What's, what's an underused feature of the AK? (laughs)
0: Loaded. Okay. Um, I got to wrap my head around this question. Okay. So, which feature was the, the the best out of AK? Right. Basically,
1: which one has had the most impact in it surviving as long as it has? I guess is what he's saying.
0: I, I'm gonna say go to the uh, sub caliber. Going from 7.62 by 39, going to 5.45. That was the major uh, leap.
1: Kept it so going. to
0: speak, into the future, the gun that that changed the dynamic of the gun, the way it behaved, the way it shot, the way you know, it's increased accuracy, it's uh, increased, it's uh, hand uh, handling, uh, and uh, I think yeah, it's five four five caliber would be the the feature of that gun, and if to understand it, I guess you gotta you gotta kind of uh, get yourself involved with the ak-74 platform if it makes any sense mm-hmm. like get one or have a friend who has one go and ask them to go and shoot and buy the ammo or whatever and uh, kind of like a you know just do the rapid fire and I, the the advantage of it immediately comes into play when you do um, and i'm not talking about the well obviously the full auto it's even not even comparable. I mean, the the M4 doesn't come close. Again, my personal opinion, right? So, because somebody just, you know, Mike listening to this says, "Oh, he's full of shit." My, you know, M4 is like the best ever. But, but in reality, you know, go go and get involved with the AK seventy four somehow. If you
1: disagree and with Marco, shoot it, him an email. <laughs> What's that? I said, if you disagree with Marco, shoot him an email at...
0: Right. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, that's probably its best is AK-74, go to AK-74 platform. And then uh, the feature that is underutilized, um, hard to tell. I don't know. I mean, you know, the biggest complaint about AK recently was, well, it's not modular. And I'm, like, thinking, uh, what are you going to put on it? Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, like, uh, you know, they've been making the side rails since 1940s, late 40s, to mount those infrared, uh, the first-generation night vision stuff. Yeah,
1: optics. Uh, optics.
0: Right. The the M16 platform wasn't even a glimpse in the, its, its parents' hands at the time. <laughs> right so okay so you put something in the on the side of the ak and then you got yourself any kind of combination of things if it's 1913 rail or picatinny rail or it's a uh anything you want specifically designated uh optic for it so what else you need to put on it well they say well you need to put like a the flashlight it's like really for for what for, you know Tell signal the enemy where you actually are. In the well, you like gotta,
1: the, like you said earlier, you know, just like your son, you gotta tack it out, just like the the military guys are running. You know, you gotta put all that, right, old, but, but like a flashlight in
0: the in the, any kind of operation. I won't go back what I did, yeah. Uh, in any in any of my engagements, did I ever need a freaking flashlight? Never. <laughs> now, you can put like a designated like IR-designated uh, uh, laser or something, uh, uh, the, you know, laser design- designator. Yes, and then, <clears throat> you know, you just replace your handguards and now a variety of things, options available on it. So, and then in recent years, of course, people like Midwest Industries, by the way, uh, who's coming out with their Alpha line soon. I think they came out, uh, but they just kind of sold out now trying to catch up with production, I'm waiting for my first set. Uh, that seems to be an awesome thing. Then uh, you got a variety of people, like Mark Krabs produced good stuff. Uh, obviously, the Zenitka was the shit, but now you can't get it, and we will never probably get it. But, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you can tactical UAK now to the same levels as any AR. You know, with the new long handguards with the M-Lock, put whatever on it you want. And, uh, you know, but uh, I think at the time maybe that question would have been better about 15 years ago. You know what I mean, when the AK was and I'm not making any, like, I'm just saying how it was. AK was behind, behind times. the AK platform. When the ARs just Lips and balance ahead with the the different different hand guards and continue rail up top on the on the receiver and all that stuff. AK was still kind of like a well, I got that side mount. Let me see if I can get, get a good one to put on. But yeah, okay. Anyway, but now it's it's hard to say what uh, underutilized feature that gun is, but. Uh, also, I'm a I'm a big fan of a kind of heavy uh, the front heavy gun, rather than the back heavy gun, uh, which in the AK is the front heavy and therefore the recoil management kind of is a little better. Right. But uh, right. that's my, that's all I have to say about that.
1: That's all I got to say about that. And then, <clears throat> the coldest environment that you've operated an AK in, old Tennessean wants to know. And then I've got a couple of emails that we're going to read real quick.
0: Okay, so coldest environment, probably minus 20 Celsius. It, that's normal. <laughs> <Where> <laughs> that's I come normal. From. So it's not, uh, let's see, the real quick conversion. I uh, think it's close to zero somewhere or like six degrees or something. Oh, you're Celsius. Celsius, yeah. Okay. Let's see.
1: Give us some American but, temperatures here.
0: And <laughs> uh, let's see let's see okay temperature okay minus 20 it's minus four
1: uh Fahrenheit okay I mean still it's cold ass weather to try to operate in
0: I mean if you dress if you pre- prepare for it yeah you dress for
1: it but your your uh plat your weapon worked flawlessly no problems no yeah issues? no
0: problem at all I mean you you know you get um, uh, you know you Hindrances are like the gloves, the big coat, maybe a hat and stuff. So that would hinder you move. You move. uh,
1: Call him back. We're gonna wrap it up.
0: That's my ninety-four-year-old neighbor.
1: Oh, answer it then. You maybe you should answer that.
0: No, that's probably like, uh, Mark. Can you come over and uh, start my dishwasher? (laughs) That kind stuff. But anyway. uh, yeah, so, yeah, so minus problem, four, but, gotcha. But it's been known, you know, Russia has the Arctic bases yeah. up in the above the Arctic Circle and those it's islands and stuff. It's a little colder. And here. they rotate soldiers, you know, with their, uh, like, more combat-ready units going there and spend, like, three months or something or whatever the time. Yeah. And, uh, of course, it gets a lot, a lot colder there. And, uh, you know, they just no problem. They they have regular range trips and exercises and things like
1: that. All right. Let's go to uh, email here. Uh, Got a couple from you, leadheads, email-wise. Aaron P., I'm not going to say your last name, 10man4x. It says, loved your latest episode with Paul, Paul Markle. Something to learn in every show. Question, how confident are you that American manufacturers – or eligible countries will continue to fill the 762 by 39 gap created by Biden. Should I be considering future purchases in 545 or other? I currently have a Russian numbers matching SKS and a Polytech milled receiver AK, but have been shopping AK 105s lately and want to be able to feed them. Thanks and keep up the great work. So, Aaron.
0: good question, too. And uh, yeah. obviously, you know what I think about 505, and I say, yeah, sure, go for it. But here's the thing, though, about 505 so uh, the sanctions on uh, ammo manufacturers in Russia now been in place for over a year, and you don't see any increase or significant increase in. Uh, price of a five four five. And I explained why. Two things. At one time back in the, about two thousand eight two thousand nine was a huge number of of containers brought in an actual military seven sixty two I mean five four five by thirty nine seven and six rounds. Before the some idiot built a fucking pardon my French, <laughs> uh, right. uh, pistol in that caliber. And then, of course, ATF designated it
2: yeah. as,
0: the, uh, as the pistol round, so therefore prohibited for importation. But nevertheless, at that time, they were selling for about 12 cents a round that you can buy the actual military surplus ammunition. And uh, if I had to guess uh, container-wise, probably in the... Uh, and that caliber in twenty-foot containers, one and a half million rounds. Wow! So I would say at that time, for those years, like starting in early to, you know, two thousands, and up until it finally came to a screeching halt, if I say two hundred containers, that probably be underestimate how much it was brought in yeah. from both from Russia and from Ukraine mainly, and. Um, then when they uh, outloaded the surplus ammo. Then the Russia had seven factories that produced this this cartridge. Oh, I'm sorry, no, five out of seven produced this cartridge, and like uh, companies like Barnaul, you know that under Bear, mm-hmm. they sold it under Bear and Wolf.
2: Right,
0: and then you got Tula that sold uh, Bear and Wolf. He had uh, Ulyanovsk not there I mean I'm talking about uh, Tulamo and wolf uh, uh, factory did the same thing and they tried to end a, a more a more factory which is the golden tiger brand. so they were bringing in in you know sufficient amount of a 505 ammo which kind of was stabilizing around 25 to 30 cents around. And then when uh, Biden finally canceled uh, everybody's permits, right, the uh, the form sixes mm-hmm. for importation, there was a grace period when they were going to do it. And then they were going to allow the existing licenses to expire on its own, which some of the importers had a two years left on those uh, licenses. So what Tula and Barnall did, they start shipping it, it kind of had without orders, right? And each one was capable of producing about 40 containers a month. So they created a huge stock of uh, all the ammo that you, you know, that they produce 762, you know, the 545 and then anything.
1: Millions in, in and millions of two. rounds.
0: Yeah, and so they probably brought in about 200 containers, if I have to guess. Wow. So for the next five to six years, I don't see it's going crazy. But I also know that at the same time, Turkey will become a major player. They're going to step up. All those, yeah. And uh, so. Cool. You know, I That's mean, AK-103 is a good option. <laughs> <laughs> but a uh, five four five, like I said, I'm a big fan, and luckily enough, because yeah. through my writing and all this stuff, I accumulated a good stock of of five four five ammo.
1: Good, good foresight on your part. Uh, good question, Aaron. That's good. So um, there was one other in the emails here. and This was from Tyler S. Tyler emailed, he said, Hey, Lefty, I've got an AK Corner episode suggestion. Let's talk about the history and current state of modernizing the AK. We've come a long way, and modernized AKs being covered in TAPCO or ATI. Love the show, man. Always listen whenever it drops. I changed my Instagram handle. I now go as Pacific Northwestern. Okay. He was also. He also asked a question on the, the Instagram there. So
0: it, it's actually it's actually a great idea, and uh, I kind of touched on both of my books. Uh, well, we hit the a first lot one, today. The Shooters gun. Yeah. It, and um, and it's uh, it's a great idea. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm not going to write a book about it. <laughs> uh, I might I might come up with an article, but it, it is it's has gone. Through enough, I mean, enough time passed where you can make a, a history of AK accessorizing, or you know, tactical in it or whatever. Yeah. Starting with the first Tapco, and, Tapco. You know, you can you can you can say whatever you can, uh, you know, uh, think whatever you want about the Tapco, but they were there first, kind of, with the first hand, you know, handguards and yeah, some weird stocks when everybody else is afraid to touch thing. that market yeah right and uh, of course now you know even the mac bull produces stuff right? and oh, you know in yeah. traditional ar kind of companies now starting demoing to
1: devil into there's all in ak the, accessorizing yeah, and of course
0: knows. you know my uh favorite of them all would be uh Midwest industries just because and and i don't Necessarily like all of their stuff. Yeah. But but I think uh, Troy, uh, the guy that owns it, I mean, yeah. he's. He's been on the show. He's constantly thinking. This guy is like, he's. Uh, oh, he's. His brain, if I had to picture it in my mind, it's like a bunch of these guys in white shirts with black ties running around with this like drawings and stuff going. <laughs>
4: yeah have yeah,
0: you, you tried this before and then yeah let's move with this let's go with this no stop the presses you know that kind of stuff like yeah. that like a, like a, a houston we have a problem uh you know they make great great
1: products and accessories definitely midwest and i've had i've had uh troy on the show and you know he was one of the first to get into the lever action you know, modernizing oh, yeah. the lever action too.
0: if <laughs> You can modernize that,
1: you the, know, the four ends I mean, on those.
0: Yeah. yeah. His alpha, his alpha line that's coming online here shortly for everyone is unreal. I mean, I, you know, you, it's hard to kind of surprise me with stuff because, you know, I've seen a lot, but when I was at the shot show and, and he, and I know Troy for, Long, long time. I don't know, over ten years or whatever. And we kind of good friends, and we drink together all the time at the shot show And uh, you know, I bring my flasks with the <laughs> elixir. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Anyway, and uh, he, uh, you know, he kept quiet. He kept quiet. He didn't say anything to me. And then when I finally, you know, come to his booth for our drinking session goes here it is and i just my jaw my jaw hit the floor i was like what what and i mean especially in view of uh uh you know like a uh Zenitko is impossible to get yeah and if you do get it there's like millions of so is this stuff he's stuff. got
1: out of this stuff that's coming
0: oh yeah the, the stuff that's coming the stuff that he got out um, well, you need I to let him time. know he
1: needs to come on the show and his and release his new stuff with us. Oh,
0: absolutely! I'll I'll, I'll tell him next yeah. time I talk to him. But like, well, maybe you could do a drinking mounts,
1: session with me at NRA. Bring him by at NRA, and we'll, we'll drink and sign books. <laughs> oh,
0: sure. So the he's side mounts right for the regular AK-100 series mm-hmm. and stuff. uh, uh There, there isn't anything better. There's another one like a RS Regulate. Scott makes a good, good side side mount. mount, Yeah, but he's not like a he's not prolific. You know, he's not in production per se. And he makes a a certain number of them, but that's about it. But Troy is now making stocks. He's made. He He makes everything. Yeah, awesome. I'm surprised he's
1: not doing his own, his own rifle.
0: Well, he
1: did ARs. Well, I mean AK. I'm surprised he's not doing his own AK.
0: Right. No, he, it's different. Uh, it's not like if you an AR guy, it's not easy to switch to AK making. You have to be. You have to you get be a whole other set of tools. Mic. Yeah, yeah. Because di- different. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. All
1: right. Why, uh, that does it, man. That does it with our questions. So let's give some. Let's give some shit away, Marco. Um, all right. The seal one, we'll give away this first. The seal one. Um, what, which question did you like uh, the best? Who, who's the seal one going to go to? Uh,
0: because I know another, another thing that you're going to give away. I'm going to give that one to a second question if I would. You're going to give
1: this one to the second question? To a second best.
0: Okay. And, and that deals with uh, the one that actually I got a little stumped there with the underutilized feature.
1: Okay, good. And that was, I think that was Bobus. I got to go back through everything here because
0: I'm. It's like three back, maybe two, two, two. What three back. is
1: an underused feature of the AK? So yeah. Bo, Bobus seventeen seventy six. You have won the Seal One uh, Complete Gun Care Kit. It's got the it's got the paste. It's got the liquid, and it's got all the, the brushes and the towels and everything. And, uh, oh, by the way, Seal One's uh, cleaning rods are out now. So you guys can go to Seal One and get those cleaning rods um, that we talked about at SHOT Show, that they released at SHOT Show. Um, those aren't included in this kit, but you can, can go get those now. And the discount code doesn't work on the rods, but it does work on the kit. So... Go to seal1.com, use the code LEDhead, and you get 25% off any of their products except the cleaning rods at this point in time. So, thank you, Seal1, and thank you, Bobus. Email me, gotta have that address. And then, our next giveaway, Marco, is the belly band from Mission First Tactical. And Mission First Tactical used to do uh, AK accessories. And they still make the grips. They still make a really good AK grip. I've got it on uh, a couple of mine up there. And I really like, I like their grips better than anybody else's grips. Just not that because they're a sponsor, but they're just really comfortable and they fit my hand really well. So the belly band, go to Mission First Tactical, use the code LEADHEAD, you're going to get 25 or 20% off any of their products, and that's including this Bailey band. So if you didn't win it today, you can go buy it and get 20% off. So Marco, you want to pick the winner for that?
0: It's uh, Aaron. Is that the guy with the five four five question?
1: Yeah. He was asking about this, the supply and all that and what he should, should yeah. get. So uh, our email, and we don't get a lot of email questions from you guys. Cause most of you post them on our thing, but I do like to get emails from you. So Aaron um, I don't know if you're on Instagram or, or if you got an Instagram name, but it's Aaron, and your email is 10man4x. You are the winner, so email me, tongueletgmail.com. gmail.com, need your address, contact info, all that, and we'll send you one of these awesome belly bands. So, and what was that pistol that you said that you used uh, when you were in service? Stitchkin. Stitchkin. Would it fit in here? Would a stitchkin fit in here, Marco? i think it would it'll fit most guns without a without a light oh yeah we can make that fit in here it might jab <laughs> you in the nuts <laughs> it might jab your nuts but it'll fit in here you want one of these marco
0: you me said you want to sure you sure. want a belly band yeah, holster of okay. course i All will right. even use it
1: really you'll even use it Yep. the great thing about it is it fits most people and it can be adjusted so Um, very cool. So great show. Um, lots more on this book that we could have covered. We just, like I said, I wanted to deep dive in some stuff and we, you know, we took our squirrels, chased our squirrels and took our, our turns here and there, but, uh, very good book. The AK 47 survival and evolution of the world's most prolific gun. Guys, you can get it at Amazon. Um, is there a website you have that they can go get it? No,
0: no, it's, you know i mean the company who printed it f FN, and uh, f and w uh, media they went under and caribou media bought them oh so whatever the plans were for um i mean that's an active project it's not like a, they took on all the f and w projects on yeah but uh you know i mean they didn't put any marketing or anything behind it
1: oh well that's their loss they need to do that so we're we're marketing it here. They're going to continue to put, to produce it, right? And yeah, print it.
0: Yeah, we're talking. We're talking about second edition. I'm going to write maybe another chapter, uh, the last chapter. Let's because, get you uh, with
1: another uh, publishing company, Marco. The, the, if they're not going to give you any marketing or anything, screw them. Let me introduce. I mean, you.
0: They, they they not bad. I mean, they uh, the same people that do Recoil Magazine, I think.
1: Yeah, let me introduce you to uh, my friends at Simon & Schuster. How about that?
0: That sounds good.
1: Okay. I'm going to make a note.
0: <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm well, not... Maybe I'll become the, the New York uh, New York Times best-selling author?
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I don't see why not.
0: And, man, The sky's the limit.
1: Maybe I can get them to boost you into doing your autobiography then.
0: Actually, the next book I'm probably going to do is on Sniper Rifles. I will be oh, called be uh, sniper from motherland actually i'm about 75 percent completed
1: dude that's a great name for your autobiography no yes on. sniper from the motherland no yes marco it's... trust me trust me i know these things there is a <laughs> lot
0: more people that's more deserving than uh than me no. to be in that book
1: no, sir. It's just
0: it, it mainly, although it's it's kind of like a, It sounds as if it's about a person, but it's more of a, like a sniper rifle development, and its deployment, and the difference in philosophies. So. No, no,
1: I get that. I'm just saying that would be a great name for your auto autobiography when you do write it. So you might want to save Uh-oh. that title. <laughs>
0: I would just call it like a life of a Josh Moore and a bunch of crazy stories. <laughs> Probably, you're That's too humble,
1: time. Marco. You're too humble, brother. Um, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be on, sharing with the audience. This was a great show. Obviously, I mean, we we've, we've been doing it for almost four hours now. So,
0: <laughs> well, I I appreciate you having me on again, and I always like Dean on, and and I guess my favorite part would be to interact with the, some of the guys that ask the questions and yeah. maybe read my books and and then there's no more uh, gratification for somebody that puts some time into producing something and then other people enjoying it so I take a, I take a comfort in that and I thank every and each one of you guys. Thank you very much. Well,
1: like I said, I know uh, you're, a, you're a favorite of our listeners, the Leadhead Brigade here, they love you and they love it every time that you're on. And you're always, Marco, you're always welcome on the show. So um, uh, I know that I can count on you. And you know, when I was like, hey, I'm going to be talking about this. You want to be on? You're like, yeah, you're always up for it. And I appreciate that. So we're, we just started. You know, this is episode two of season five. So we got more more to come. Lots more to come, Leadheads. Shoot me your suggestions, talkingletgmail.com. If you've got guest topics that you want us to talk about. And then be looking for those posts when we, uh, prior to our AK corners asking for your questions, you know, when we, when we let you know who's going to be on. And we appreciate everybody's participation. Congratulations to the winners on this episode. Again, email me talkingletgmail.com. gmail.com. Give me your contact info and then go support our sponsors, Mission First Tactical, Seal One, Factory 47. You go to Factory 47 and see this cool hat that I'm wearing here, Marco. Right feel-
0: away. I got the T-shirts from him, and uh, everywhere I go, that uh, you know, the Colvin High School, you know, the Wolverines.
2: The
1: Wolverines. Everybody's
0: like, "Where can I get one? Where can I get one?" <laughs> right? You know. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah, they've but got good stuff.
1: Great shirts, hats, hoodies. There, you can get the Talking Lead logoed stuff, or get your favorite AK manufacturer factory logo uh factory47 leadhead you're going to get 10% off uh there medicine in bad places um you know you need, you need you need to learn how to patch people up more than you need to know how to shoot them and kill them if you want to save uh, your loved ones that's the best way to do it get medical training get medical supplies you go to medicine in bad places use the code leadhead 20 and you get 20% off uh anything at Medicine in Bad Places website, uh, and then of course our friends at IWI, Jeremy and the whole crew there at IWIUS uh, don't have a discount code for you for there. Um, I don't know if they sell a lot of swag, but um, you know their guns are awesome, and we're probably going to be talking about their new Carmel. Have you seen it, Marco? No, not yet. No, <clears throat> it's pretty badass. They released it at Shot Show. Uh, we did just kind of a quick down and dirty with them at Shot Show.
0: I might have seen it at the SHOT Show. I just didn't stop by. I mean, you know how crazy yeah, you yeah, run. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I didn't stop by. I might have seen it. but um,
1: Yeah, so you were at SHOT Show and didn't come see me. I'm a little hurt, but that's okay. Get this. In my mind,
0: I did see you. <laughs> because I was at the range, you know, at the range day. And went into one of those stands to eat lunch,
2: uh-huh.
0: and I see there's a dude sitting, looking just like you. No, and uh, he's got like this camo stuff with the three stripes on. You know, one of those. Yeah. You know, the Russian that did this type of thing, but camo. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was you. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, have you were you at the range day. Yeah, I was there. I didn't well, wear we, anything like that. You know, thought it was like a jet engine, freaking blowing. Uh, oh you know,
2: yeah
1: it was
0: it was, it was miserable so my eyes are watering i walk in into this like tent and i see this guy sitting i was like hey man's talking lead <laughs> he's like looking at me like uh yeah what's going on huh? <laughs> it wasn't yeah, it was somebody else i <laughs> looked a lot like you almost like double digger
1: uh nobody's yeah. as ugly as me come on you yeah, can't mistake but me anyway
0: no i Unfortunately, I was really busy this time. We we are
1: definitely going to hook up at NRA. Leadheads, bring your books, bring your your any book you got of Marco. You know any of his books, bring them, and he'll autograph them. We'll uh, he and I are going to talk. We'll get a day and time um, for you you to come by specifically to do that. But I'm sure if you just run into him, you see him, he'll sign it too. But oh, absolutely!
0: I you know anytime you see me. Just stop by and say hi, whatever. I mean, I'm, you know, I'll do it.
1: He'll do it. No problem. There you go. He's up for it.
3: All right, (laughs) Loonheads,
1: until next month, enjoy this. I mean, you'll probably be listening to this for for a month as long as it went. But uh, again, I want to see those suggestions uh, for guests, topics. And uh, until next uh, AK Corner, be listening to the regular show dropping. Sometimes twice a week. Now I got so much content.
0: AK <laughs> <Okay>. Corner.
1: <laughs> What'd you say?
0: <laughs> Basically, said this was Mark of Robiev at the program of uh, Token Led AK Corner. All the best. It's kind of like sign off regular TV program in Russia.
1: Okay, cool. Dig it.